If he keeps trying to retire, and then these teams keep sucking, and they're like, Ken, here's money, and he's not going to turn it down. The man just wants to move to Edmonton and live in the snow, and if your hockey team would just stop sucking, he could do that. Pigeon. It's only game. Why you have to be mad? All right. We are here for take two of the For Puck's Sake podcast this weekend. We have lots of exciting things this week. We're talking World Juniors, All-Stars, football, and we've got an interview with Lex Horowitz. So let's get on to it with the roundtable. First up, it's Shay. Um, I have a new roundtable because you did not pay attention to my last one. I did not. You absolutely did not. I went on this like little rant talking about like, I don't even know what I was talking about. And there was just silence because usually Gabby comes in and she's like, oh, uh, asking questions and like making it a conversation. This time it was just silence. It was because she was looking at something on her phone. But all right. This time, um, one of the Panthers prospects switched from defense to forward. What? Yeah. And yeah, he switched from from he was a he was one of our only one of the only defensive prospects that we've uh, drafted because we tend to draft forwards, and um and I like out of nowhere he just he's he switched to forward <laughs> he played his first game as a forward he scored a goal I'm very proud of him I'm very confused though especially because no one I've seen no one on Panthers media talking about this and well it might have been just for one game. Possibly because we did. Jamie Alexiak did that for one game. I don't remember if it was the Stars or the Penguins. Really? I didn't. I yeah. don't remember that. He did. I don't remember which team it was for, but he did it maybe two years ago or oh, last okay. year. It would have been last year. Rest in peace. I don't remember rigged. which one. Brett Burns went the other way. He was a forward. He became a defenseman. Yeah. Dustin Bufflin was just randomly a forward in Chicago. That's all right. <laughs> so, like, it's not something that, like, doesn't happen. Like, if he remains a yeah. forward, then that would be, like, weird. But it's something that happens. Yeah. And it would it would make sense. I just wish I had more background information, which is why I'm, like, why hasn't anyone discussed this at all? Just because the only thing I saw was the tweets from, uh, from our AHL team going, like, oh, Look, here's a photo of Riley Stillman with a puck, his first game as a forward and his first goal as a forward. And I'm like, okay, congrats. Good for you. What the fuck is happening? Uh, um, from, well, representing Dallas, it's Sarah. Yes. Hello. Okay, so I have two little roundtable topics, which I already discussed last night, but we lost the uh, recording of that. So I'm going to have to run through it again. Sorry, guys. Um, But the world needed to know that yesterday, Gabby confused something that I hold very near and dear to my heart. For the record, in New Orleans, in Louisiana, the Saints thing, their whole, their, their call out, their catchphrase is who dat, Gabby, not who day, who dat. Okay. In my defense, I don't pay attention to the AFC or any NFC team that is not in the NFC East. So, and listen, listen, when it's okay the to be Cincinnati wrong. Cincinnati Bengals 
our our who her who day and the New Orleans State of their who dat. Like I don't I don't know the difference. It's stupid that they're both. Get your own thing or just spell your team's name. First of all, first you of know all, first who doesn't get confused. First of the all, the Eagles. Because our chant is just E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. It is not my fault that you had taste in shit teams. Moving on, I want to talk about... Excuse me, excuse (laughs) me, we are the Super Bowl champions. Like New Orleans has it been? Shut up. Okay, so Malkin. Malkin. Shit team, shit team. Whatever. (laughs) You fuck up. Okay, so, Gino. How's um, your 84-year-old quarterback? Hey, hey. (laughs) <laughs> Drew Brees is breaking records left and right. Don't even come at me, come at me with that because I can back it up with statistics. Okay, so moving on, I want to talk about Malkin. And by the way, Drew Brees is my father, so have some respect. So <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins. This past week, something happened, and I haven't really seen that many people talking about it. But I just wanted to kind of make a quick uh, note about it, simply because it kind of it pour, it kind of uh, pulled at my heartstrings. So this week, if you watch any Penguins games, if you're like me and you watch how their feet move, I don't know. I just find it fascinating to watch their feet move really fast on the ice. It, I'm not a coordinated person, but I love to ice skate. Anyway, aside from that, if you watch their feet, you might have noticed that Malkin has had something written in a silver marker on his skates, which is not something that he's really ever done before. This is completely new. And if you haven't heard, there was recently a tragedy in his hometown in Russia. And it's quite sad. Um, you know, it's big. It's a big deal. You know, it's kind of devastating. And so he wrote these messages to his hometown on his skates. Things like, you know, you're my heart. My thoughts are with you. Just little things like that. And he played played in them. And I don't know. I just haven't really seen anybody talking about that. It makes me sad because Malkin is a fantastic player. And he's always put on the back burner. I mean, it's not that hard to be put on a back burner when you are playing on the same team as Sidney Crosby. Uh, but he does. And so I just, you know, hey. Uh, so anyway, my thoughts and prayers are with his hometown and wishing them the best. I just wanted to kind of call attention to that. And that was my roundtable. All right. Um, that was really heartfelt and moving. And I'm just going to go complain. Um, so sorry about the quick switch of pace. But NFL refs, go fuck yourselves. All of them. The whole we just got screwed by another no clear recovery fucking call. Okay, so you guys don't know because you don't watch the Eagles, but in the game against the Cowboys, there were seven Eagles on a on a fumble, and they called it no clear recovery because they couldn't tell which Eagle had it. And so even though it was seven Eagles and it was clearly the Eagles had the ball because they, there was no clear recovery by one player, they just, like, didn't call it. Like, ten minutes ago... um. Maddox strips a strips Miller on the Chicago Bears and the ball goes flying and the ref steps up in front of the ball blocking players from it like is waving and then picks up the ball so like so if he hadn't stopped the play an Eagles player would have gone and grabbed the ball for a clear recovery would have been our possession because he stepped in front of the ball blocking the Eagles players from it and then picked it up like it was considered an incomplete pass and the bears get the ball back and then they kick the field goal to now be winning fucking pissed if we lose that game by three because the ref just inserted him himself into the game when it was clearly like it it was going to be an eagle's ball and he inserts himself and picks it up 
and then it fucking goes to the Bears. I'm so mad. Um, wow. I am upset that we're not recording with video again because I'm calling the police on my football phone because we're talking uh, football on a hockey podcast again. <laughs> it is the playoff, Shay. I'm sorry. It I just I do not care about football. I've been trying so hard, but it's so hard for me to care. I don't give one single fuck about football. And every time you guys come on and get get like a little rant, I'm there like, oh Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> oh, all right, fine. Then we'll go to hockey things. Um let's start with World Juniors. Oh shit. Uh World Juniors ended yesterday. We were all in mourning when we did the podcast yesterday. We've had like some time to get over it. Um, but let's start from the beginning of the medal round. Canada, and um, we've learned that Canadians are not nice. Canadians are fucking assholes. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, they fucked up the graphics on the the game right now, and I'm like very confused by it. Um, yeah, so Maxime Comtois was the captain of the Canadian team, and he was chosen for a penalty shot, which he doesn't do, and he's not like like it's not like he's historically good at it. Like Morgan Frost is a like is a good penalty shooter. Maxime Comtois is not, but he was chosen by their coach to take the pound to take the penalty shot. He missed it. They end up losing in overtime. I'm not sure. It, um, but they end up losing and all of Canada blames this 19-year-old kid. I just blame mm. the coach. Where's the statement released by the coach? Why isn't the coach apologizing? Mm-hmm. I don't even understand why a statement needs to be made. Like, it's fucking sports. Like, I'm sorry. And, like, I live and die by sports. But, like, it is a fucking 19-year-old playing a game. Why is the entire nation going after him? He shouldn't have to apologize for being for losing the game, for being put in a position that he shouldn't have been put into. Like, the whole fucking statement, like, culture that we live in now is ridiculous. But, like, leave the fucking kid alone. The one thing I did really enjoy from from the the fact that Canada lost because they could have they could have scored in in overtime to win it right, but uh, yeah. but someone lost like someone's yeah. stick broke, it broke right when they were like wide open net had the perfect shot and then the stick just back, broke in his hands and then uh, it was Finland right? F- Finland was able to uh, to get it out and score and move on to the semifinals and. Um, the greatest thing, the shadiest thing, was a Finnish uh, hockey stick company that sent, uh, that put out a letter and a photo of a stick to uh, on Twitter saying, uh, addressing the um, the player whose name I'm forgetting at the moment, uh, telling him that, oh, we're really sorry that your uh, your Canadian stick broke. <laughs> In the middle of this game, oh. how about you get this finish made stick? Maybe next time. It was something. It was nicer than that, but essentially, it was just as shady, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, then Sweden lost, but not much came out of that. Um, and then semifinals comes, um, and Russia loses, and the Russian kids are upset, and Klim Kostin, who's their captain. Um, kind of throws up his middle fingers while the cameras are on them to get the cameras off of them while they're upset. And I think he was just so like, 
I think he was in that emotional state of like protecting his teammates and angry at like the cameras for doing that and that he just lost. So when he gets his like watch or whatever, he hands it off and then he yells, fuck you to the crowd. Um, and he got a lot of heat for that. And then he comes back in the bronze medal game, scores a goal, Canada's booing him and he just sticks both fingers in his ear, Patrick Waugh style. I can't hear you. Listen, I, I love that. Kid. I love that kid so much. I the, am rooting the, for him wherever he goes. He's a he's a blues prospect, and uh, so he wasn't he wasn't necessarily on my radar before. But now I'm like like that's my boy. I'm following him forever. But I love that he he only yelled "fuck you" to the crowd because they were booing him. Like like I fucking hate Canada. Like this these this kid just lost. And you're booing them? Like, what the fuck? And so so there was this um there was this guy, this great tweet that I saw. Um, so someone put posted out like a like a video sequence of like those short few seconds where he like throws his helmet on the ground, he pans off the uh the watch and he doesn't really pose for the picture. Um, and then when he's going off and they're booing, and then he like tells them to fuck off. Um, and so someone quoted it. And goes, uh, it was Adam Herman of the Blue Shirt Banter. And thank you for this tweet where he wrote, the current state of affairs for the WJC. Get him down, get him down, get him down. Sorry. <laughs> In the middle of like the, the, the important emotional tweet. Sorry. <laughs> fucking Gabby. You're not allowed to watch fucking football while we record anymore. <laughs> six and mitch was like nobody was he just like had all the time in the world go back okay. i'm sorry okay so adam herman of the blue shirt banter which is a ranger site uh wrote this uh the current state of affairs for the wjc is putting an absolute insane amount of psychological burden on a bunch of teenagers and then putting them on blast for showing anything less than absolutely perfect composure for fo- uh, following failure we need to rethink all of this I'm completely on board with that. Okay, well, two. I have two things. One is I hate, like, the fact that they show you the team that lost in World Juniors. Like, I don't want to see children crying. Like, show me the celebrated kids. Show me the happy kids. Especially because it was USA that just won. Like, show me that. Show me all those kids super celebrating. Don't show me crying Russian kids. And then... And then get angry when their captain defends them for trying to show crying Russian kids. The only time I want to see crying 19-year-olds on TV is in March Madness when there's that, like, one drunk girl who's, like, crying in the stands because, like, her number 15 seed just lost to, like, Michigan. Like, that's the only time. Or, like, Flute Girl. Do you remember Flute Girl? Absolutely not. From the band? From the band again. I think it was it was Villan- Villanova or Kentucky, some blue school. And the girl is playing the flute and crying as her school loses. Like, that's amazing. But I don't want to see, like, these Russian kids who just played their heart out. Like, don't show me the crying athletes. Yeah. Like, show me the ridiculous people in the stands crying, but do not show me those kids. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, most sports, male sports, when they want to see that anger from kids. Like, I'm just talking from, like, my perspective, like, playing softball growing up and in the recruiting process, 
Like we are told, like you, if you strike out in a bad place, like you do not throw your helmet, you do not throw your bat, you show no emotion whatsoever. You are cold hearted. You do not get angry because they don't want like because coaches don't want a temper tantrum. And I feel like hockey is the closest to like women's sports in that recruiting process where it's like they want perfect composure all the time. Because like football, they want you to get mad. Baseball, they want you to get mad. Basketball players are fucking insane. Like I feel like hockey is the most like women's sports where they're like. We want perfect composure all the time. You are, like, an ideal specimen. Like, they tell us, like, you're a lady. And I'm not going to say that about, like, hockey players, but, like, that's what they want. Like, they want you to be, like, a robot in defeat. Yeah. Um, then the other story about the bronze medal game is Coach Woolwind. I fucking love this guy. So he he's the Switzerland coach from last year where um, when he lost to Canada um, and they're like, how do you feel? And he's like, well, did you look at our fucking roster? He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, we all remember Canada's roster from last year. It was stacked. Like, everybody was a lottery pick. And then, like, this year, he, he has a better team. Canada has a lesser team. Um, and he, like, said that. And then he, he called his players sexy at one point. But, like, the line of the tournament is him. A reporter asks him going into the bronze medal match, um, uh, what do you need from your players? And he goes, I need them to be eager and sexy to win. Eager and horny. Eager and horny to win. Great quote. (laughs) Great quote. I love it. I love this guy. Be horny to win. That's how I'm going through life now. Horny to win. (laughs) The greatest thing was I was watching the uh, I was watching the the bronze medal game on TSN because that was where my uh, my uh, questionably legal stream was from. And uh, the the Canadians that were covering the game the whole time, they were just like, yeah, they were putting in euphemisms for horny um, to describe the the uh, the play of the of the uh of the swiss and so they're like oh the blood is flowing everybody on the team is fully engaged they're all eager but they they like stress the word so that you know they're throwing back to the word horny they're playing hard yes (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um did you do oh if this whole okay, so the Flyers have sucked under Scott Gordon after those first couple games, so I don't think he's gonna get the full time gig. If we can't get Coach Quenville, I want Woolwind. I want him. He's he's my coach. He's a fucking crazy person. I think Philadelphia would eat him up. I think they would love him. Like I think like Tortorella, I feel like would be a great Philly coach. If you can't get Tortorella and cues off the table, fucking get Woolwind crazy person you guys i think he i think he'd be a great fit because you guys need an absolute crazy person to like deal with your fan base exactly like labby was perfect like pound the fucking body the time he got up on the bet like on the wall that separates the bench he's yelling at the pittsburgh coach over pierre like we need that back in this city like dave (laughs) hackstall sucked all of the fun and craig ruby sucked all of the fun out of flyers hockey Give me Woolwin, who's insane, and let's fucking ride. My my theory about your last coach is just that you guys got him because he looked like the uh, Green Goblin from the first Spider-Man movie. 
He looks like Christopher Walken. No, that's not Christopher Walken. It's another one. The one that looks that gets confused for Christopher Walken. I'm not I looking at the name. I know who you're talking name. about. <laughs> William Defoe. Wait, is that William not Christopher Defoe. Walken? In the no, first? that's not. Hang on. Green Goblin. I spent my whole life thinking that's Christopher Walken. It's not. William Defoe. Green Goblin. Toby Maguire. Uh, William James Willem Defoe. So Willem that's, Defoe. That's what I've been saying. By. William Defoe. There we go. Can y'all not hear me? No, sorry, we didn't. <laughs> no, I heard you. I feel so lied Wait, to. Can y'all hear me? Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I can hear okay. You. Okay. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't catch it. Oh my god! Between this and the whole thing about Miracle on Ice yesterday. <laughs> I'm Do you just... want to go into the Miracle on Ice bit? Let's talk about the Miracle on Ice. Miracle lies to us, people. Miracle on Ice does not work the way that we have all thought it worked our entire lives. We know that USA gets gold. And we know that they play the Soviet Russia in the quote-unquote semifinals. But do you know who got silver that tournament, people? Soviet Russia. Because the way the hockey, uh, the hockey medals used to work is... Um, sorry, the Eagles were doing a thing. The way it used to work is it was a round robin. So, like, you had the two groups, the best two teams from the two groups played each other in another round robin. And whoever won the most games out of that round robin won gold, and it was, like, records. So, because the U.S. won the most games, they got gold. And then because Soviet, the Soviets lost to the USA, but they won the other two games... They got silver, and that's how it fucking worked. And I'm, I, my whole world is changed. That movie, it's not ruined, but there is a taint to it. I am heartbroken. I like, I remember yesterday when you looked it up and you told us that the way it, like, you described it was like, like, it felt wrong as like someone that's just been watching it to be like, oh, semifinals, and then, you know, the, the way that we, we go about it. It feels dirty now. It feels, Miracle yeah, it feels is, weird. It's dirty But, now. like, thinking of it logically, I think I like that format better. No. I like it. Give me a break. I like that. I Well, because I like that the people who win the most, like, win, you know? No. It's the fucking playoffs. Playoffs in every sport works the same <laughs> way. Why? Like, the Olympics is already so stupid. Like, let's not fuck it up more. <laughs> and then like you're not even building the best team because like sure you can't beat canada but then you're like can we design a team to beat russia and these guys and get silver no fucking build your team so that if you come across canada in the semifinals you gotta fucking win pissed um then usa versus finland finland wins capo I okay, can't say okay, but that one shot, we all know the shot, deserved to go in. We all know the shot. That's this game, right? Like, I'm caught up on the right thing, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I watched it, I watched it today. It looks like it's possible goalie interference, but the goalie, like, clearly gets away. So because that other player was still in the crease when the shot went off, I guess they're calling it crotch, crotch interference. interference. I, fucking crotch interference. interference. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm watching so many different things and trying to host that's, a podcast. That's the your fucking brain. title, crotch interference. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 
god. Ugh. But no, yeah, like, they guys. called crease interference. I don't know whether it was or was not crease interference, but um, I was not rooting for USA, so I'm I'm fine. I I can't. No, it was stupid. It was stupid. <laughs> And we should have been a tie game. Who knows what would have happened? NOT, Capo Keiko, I'm not saying that right, scores a game-winning goal, which means that if the New Jersey Devils are picking in front of the Flyers again this year, they'll take that kid instead of the number one overall pick, um, which is Jack Hughes, and I'll get Jack Hughes, and I'll be that, good. I don't um, know what this scenario you're like putting up in your mind. It does not work that way, Gabby. The Flyers are getting Jack Hughes. I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak it into existence. Um, I've As soon as I put the shirt up for order, I'm buying one. The Loose for Hughes shirts that I made today, they're freaking awesome. Speaking of shirts, because I forgot to do this earlier, a couple housekeeping things. We've got World Junior Championship t-shirts on sale now on Public. Um, a Loose for Hughes shirt will be going out quickly. Woo! Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, we're winning. Um, Eagles are winning. Um, this is literally the worst. This is the worst podcast ever. <laughs> the worst podcast ever for me is just that you the whole time you're going, the Eagles are winning. They were losing. Now they're winning because Big Dick Nick has got this. Um, so World Junior shirts, Loose for Hughes shirts will be coming out later this week. We've got a Paul Marner with right shirt because he was. Um, so go buy those. Um, I have, I just got a USA hockey shirt. Um, I really like the, um, the, uh, Lewis Hughes shirt. And I also made like a, like, um, a Quinn Hughes shirt that's up for sale. Um, but I don't have a lot of money, so I'm not getting all the shirts. Um, but there's like a whole bunch of styles and stickers and everything. Go check it out. Um, the other piece of news that we have before we get into our interview is we've got two new writers on the blog. Mara, who is going to be covering the Wild, and Liz, who's going to be covering the Capitals and some other teams. I'm really excited for both of these uh, new acquisitions. They're amazing. They write so well. I can't wait for them to get started. Um, But we are looking for more writers. So those applications are still live. If you want to write about hockey, if you have friends who want to write about hockey but don't follow us, send them our way. Have them apply. We're always looking for more voices, covering more teams. Please send them our way. Does somebody have something? I heard the voice. Oh, no, I'm just super excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, So let's dive into the interview. I'm sorry, Uh, real quick. Yeah. I'm excited. The team's excited. And our sponsors are excited. We don't have sponsors. (laughs) We really don't. But you know what? If we we get sponsors, hey, can you guys sponsor us so that we could use that all the time and not let it die? We do agree. Let me ruin ad reads. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to hear me stumble over an ad read? Uh, all right. Let's dive in our interview, which you can sponsor. Um, we have Lex Harwitz on the show this week. Uh, Lex is a non-binary, transmasculine athlete and LGBTQ activist who is using their story and platform to educate people about the importance of gender identity. Um, they're really amazing. Um they, how I found them is we went to school together when we were younger and they posted their whole um, coming out story on on Facebook um, and I've been following it ever since. Um, 
I'm just going to let them speak and we'll come back to this afterwards and I'll go, I'll, I'll talk more. Hi. Um, all right. I am here with uh, Lex Horowitz. Uh, Lex is a non-binary transmasculine LGBTQ activist and educator with their advocacy working uh, work focusing on educating both allies and members of the LGBTQ community on gender and sexuality topics, identities, and issues. Uh, Lex is currently a senior at Bowdoin College with a double major in psychology and gender, sexuality, and women's studies. Um, Lex has a whole bunch of uh, platforms that you can find them on, um, and we will get into those later, but I just kind of want to launch into your story because it's something that you posted on Facebook that I've been following for a while, kind of behind the scenes, because we, we know each other, but we're not, like, friends. Um, <laughs> so I've been following it, and when we decided to launch this interview, you were the first person that I thought of. So do you want to tell this – you go and tell the story and what kind – why you think you're here. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, like you said, my name's Lex. I use they, them pronouns. And so I could – there's so many different parts of the story, honestly. There's the coming out as gay – and then there's the coming out as, no, it's not really gay, it's gender. And then the coming out as, yes, it's both gender and sexuality. Uh, so I guess, which one or all are you interested in? Well, I was interested in the story as an athlete. Um, because yeah. in hockey, we have, Harris, we have Harrison Brown, who um, is a female to male trans, uh, is in the midst of a female to male transition and competed in the NWHL. And everybody's been kind of following his story. And so for me, as somebody who's kind of followed that story, your story was really cool. And especially because you did switch teams, I thought that was very interesting to me just from somebody who played NCAA athletics and knows how difficult they can be. So that was kind of the story that I was really focusing on. But if you want to tell the whole thing, that's totally up to you. Yeah, no, we can totally focus on the switching team story. So um, I... Let's see where I want to start this. So I have been playing squash since I was about 11 years old, and I absolutely love it. It just makes me so happy to be able to play and compete. And I, um, more background is that like I was assigned female at birth. Uh, however, I do not identify as a woman. I identify as a non-binary transmasculine person. And so uh, because I have grown up playing squash, I knew that I wanted to play squash in college. And when I got to Bowdoin, I had I when I first got to Bowdoin, I identified as a straight cisgender woman, and then I soon realized that that wasn't the case. And so I first came out as uh, being gay while my first year on the team, and then my second year on the team, I was out as the like the only out uh, queer person on the team, uh, and I'm talking about the women's team. And then I realized my junior year that. It, uh, going into my junior year that it wasn't just that I was gay, it's that I'm not a woman. And so I came out to my co-captains because my junior year last year on the team, uh, I was captain of the women's team. And so I first sat down with them and had a meeting and said like, hey, uh, my name is Lex. That's what I want you guys and the rest of the team to refer to me as. And I'm going to use they, them pronouns. And so then I had the same type of conversation with my other teammates and I spent all of last season on the women's team. And I didn't even think of the idea or the concept of being a member of the men's team because I had been working what feels like my entire life to make it to a captain's position on a collegiate varsity sports team. And so I was at that spot where I'd been fighting to be, and I had already been on that team for two, two some years. 
And so I just figured that I would stay on the women's team because I'm non-binary. I don't identify as a man, but I also don't identify as a woman. So I'm in this in-between place that doesn't truly exist as its own team in athletics because athletics are so binary. And so I stuck it out last year on the women's team and I was miserable and I didn't realize how miserable I was until I switched teams this year. Uh, I guess you want me to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, what, whatever you feel comfortable talking about, just tell your story how you want to tell it. Just you like, I don't I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to sway to you like whatever you feel comfortable talking about. Go for okay, it. Okay, cool. I'm just worried I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, you're fine. Like, they don't want to hear me. They hear me all the time. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, last season I was uh, one of the co-captains of the women's team, and I came into my senior year this year's season as the captain again of the women's team, and I didn't realize how just truly miserable I was. I would come back from practice Uh, We would have captain's practices because our season didn't officially start until November 1st. So I was running captain's practices and I just, it didn't feel right. Something felt off. Whenever I would go to the courts, I wasn't happy to be there. I was always on edge. I had a lot of social anxiety about being uh, like at practice. It got to the point where every day after practice, I would talk with my partner about how just kind of upset and depressed and just how off I felt being at the at practice, which is something that I normally don't have because I love the sport so much. And it got to a point where he told me that he really thinks I should consider quitting the team because it's deteriorating my mental health. It got to the point where I wanted to start making excuses for reasons I couldn't go to practice or I was hoping I would get sick or some like rare flu so that I wouldn't have to go and like be a part of that environment. And I didn't realize why I was having such strong feelings and such um, strong emotions and negativity towards the sport that I had loved. And so that was really concerning for me because I'm not someone who makes excuses or quits or does anything like that. And I certainly didn't want to quit the sport that I loved, but it came to a point where it was so, so clear that my mental health was falling apart and my happiness had hit an all-time low, and I knew that I couldn't do that to myself, regardless of how much I loved the team and the sport. So I decided that the only thing that I could do was to quit the women's team, but I didn't want to quit the sport as a whole or the just the athletic environment, the competitive environment, having teammates. Um, and so I looked into the NCAA uh, regulations and saw that I was eligible to play on the men's team as someone assigned female at birth. I can play on a men's team or a co-ed team, and it doesn't change their status. So it, they truly would do nothing except accept me onto the team, ideally. And so I wrote a letter to my athletic director at school stating the regulations, how I was eligible, and my reasons for wanting to be on the men's team. And the reasons for me were that after taking a lot of time reflecting on like why my mental health was deteriorating, I realized that every single day walking into a locker room that said women's locker room and had the stick figure of a supposed woman wearing a dress killed me. It each time like just broke off a piece of my soul to be walking into a room of an identity that wasn't mine. Uh, And then additionally at practice every day I would hear the term girls, ladies, women, some 
uh, like either woman or and or feminine term during practice to refer to me or the team as a whole, which just broke my heart because I've had so many conversations with the coaches and my teammates about how awful that makes me feel. And it would still happen because I am the only out non-binary trans person on the team. So the words relate to everyone else, even though they don't relate to me. And so hearing that was just breaking me apart as well as at matches and uh, matches last season. Sorry, because we haven't had matches uh, because I switched teams before November 1st, before the season started. And so I listed these reasons. I I don't want to use a facility that does not match my identity, right? The women's locker room. It is super painful to be referred to as a woman or a girl or a lady or any of those terms when I'm not, I've distinctly had so many conversations saying I'm not that and would like to be respected as not holding that identity. Um, And then additionally, I had some negative experiences on the women's team. Uh, So for instance, junior year, my first match ever after coming out as uh, non-binary on the team, uh, I was on on the front wall of the squash court with my co-captains and we are responsible for announcing lineups. And so one of my co-captains announced me by my dead name in front of both my my school's men's women's team, the other schools, the coaches, other captains, and all of the audience that was there. And I had never felt so – I don't even have the phrase really to describe it. It's a level of pain from ex, like wrongful exposure, right. I would have right. to say, because then after being dead named – it invalidated what felt like was it invalidated and erased my identity saying that I didn't deserve to be called by my respected name or my respected pronouns. And it told everyone else there that I didn't deserve to be respected because my very own co-captain wasn't going to respect me. And so it is kind of every single match after that first one, I feared the lineups. I feared being dead named. I feared being referred to, as a gender that I wasn't or with the wrong pronouns. And even though it didn't happen throughout the rest of the season, I panicked every single time there was a lineup. And it would affect my playing because I had so much anxiety about someone messing up my name in front of everyone else, about people cheering with the wrong gender, using the wrong pronouns, which shouldn't be something that an athlete worries about when all they want to do is compete and enjoy the competition and the team environment. And so. That was a memory that definitely stuck with me, especially because although most of my teammates did use my name Lex uh, throughout the season, there were some people that just didn't. And it's a small team. It's about 12 people. And there were about maybe like one or two people that would mess up even at the end of the season when it there just is truly no excuse for that. And this made me feel as if I didn't deserve to be respected by my own teammates, which is a really awful feeling to have. Um, and throughout the entire season last season, people would constantly mess up my pronouns. People still mess up my pronouns, uh, although not as much. And it just felt super degrading and dehumanizing to not feel respected by my teammates or my coach. And I know, or at least I assumed it wasn't coming from a place of malice, right? It wasn't intentional. We want to hurt you, but it also doesn't really take that much to practice using they, them pronouns or to simply just use my name in order to not cause me mental harm. And so I pretty much just came, like, real, like, came to the 
surprising realization, that sarcasm, because it's so blatantly obvious to everyone else and so blatantly obvious to me now that I'm outside the situation, that it was awful. Um, And my mom and my dad and my sister are so supportive. And they were telling me, like, even last year, they're telling me, like, you sound miserable. We still want to do this. Like, you can, like, leave right now. Like, we just want what's best for you. And I would tell everyone, like, no, like, this is my team. I've been fighting to, like, be on a college team all my life. I can do this. And then I realized my mental health is really important. (laughs) (laughs) I do not need to sacrifice my mental health to be happy. And because I still wanted to play on the team and I realized that the collegiate rules said that I was eligible to play on the men's team and I am good enough to be on the men's team that why not give it a go and so wrote that letter with those reasons uh didn't send it to him I actually set up a meeting with him didn't tell him what the meeting was because I wanted to tell him everything in person and uh saw the athletic director told him to switch teams gave him the letter and he pretty much just said, okay, sounds good. Let me just double check into the rules and what the um, collegiate squash association rules are. And then we'll get back uh, and have a meeting and talk about finalizing the details and having the meetings with the coaches, the captains, and then the teams and what I want this process to look like for me, what I need to be physically comfortable in the facilities, traveling, uh, things like that. And so that's pretty much how I came to my decision. I realized that I deserved to be in a happy, uh, positive, comfortable, and stable mental state and not feel upset, depressed, or degraded doing a sport that I loved. And now I could not be happier. So for me, I know, like, I come from the softball world, which is very accepting and open of queer identities, uh, just because I think that kind of comes with the stereotype going in. Um, hockey is very close minded. Um, on the other side, I don't really know much about the squash world. Were you nervous when you came out, when you decided to do this, when you decided to switch teams, that it would be a problem in that squash community? Yeah, that's a really good question, especially because squash Mm -hmm. is a very small world. Um, It's it's your, like, stereotypical country club, uh, white, washed, uh, upper class, kind of, like, prissy kind of a sport if you think about it um which is super unfortunate because those are like stereotypes not even stereotypes it is unfortunate because there's so much more to squash than the types of people that create the stereotype if that makes any sense right um but like given the the fact that it's whitewashed and country club uh sport there's pretty much i grew up playing uh competitions against pretty much like the same person in different bodies so like the like all white, all straight, all upper class uh, individuals, and there was never diversity in squash, which was like there should be diversity in everything. And so because of just knowing that about squash, I guess I was um, did have that knowledge in the back of my mind. But I had already come out as being gay, so like I had come out as like having a queer sexuality my first year, and hitting that barrier and just like crossing that it was a little bit of a struggle. So I was in a like same gender relationship that I had kept private from my team because I was worried about how they would uh, feel comfortable with me. If it would make them uncomfortable, if it would just make, it, it would make me stand out, make me hyper visible, whatever it happened to be. And so I decided 
uh, especially because my partner was at the time was also on the team. We decided to not tell our teammates. And then the last tournament of that season, that was my first year, we uh, came out to our teammates at our like celebration party. And the women's team was absolutely amazing. They were super happy for us. They even said that they were sad that we didn't tell them earlier, except we were really happy about when we decided to come out to them because uh, when I came back to the team the next year, my that same partner had graduated and I was the only out queer person on either the women's or the men's team. And I felt hyper-visible. I felt like I was making people uncomfortable in the locker room. I was worried about what people were thinking about me. The heteronormativity of college parties or just environments such as having mixers of like pairing men's and women's teams or handcuffing women's uh, team members to men's team members, just things that don't even consider the fact that there are other sexualities or identities that are not straight was super evident. And I felt very excluded and erased in my identity. Uh, So like the coming out process per se wasn't challenging. My team was great. I did have some negative reactions or responses from the men's team. One men's team member didn't believe that my partner at the time and I were dating and thought that it was a joke and kept laughing at us until people like yelled at him to stop because it was real. Um, And then another thing that happened uh, was another member of the men's team wouldn't stop coming up to me, asking me really invasive questions such as, so what is your sexuality? Are you bi? Like, do you like men? Like all these questions that I didn't have answers to, but I felt forced and pressured to answer them because I was worried about making other people feel uncomfortable. So, I mean, it wasn't an awful coming out. My team was great. The men's team was a little bit worse. Um, but like I said, the next year I did feel hyper-visible. I, I felt hyper-visible yet erased at the same time. Uh, and honestly was like, damn, this sucks being an out queer athlete as like the only out queer athlete on this team because there's no one that is relating to me. There's no one that understands why I feel erased or how these parties are erasing my identity when you're trying to pair me with a guy so that I hook up with a guy like that just this feels awful or the the culture at brunch or whatever happens to be like oh which guy did you hook up with because our team was women um so that wasn't great and then when I honestly I'm I got to the point where as soon as I knew I was gay I immediately came out to everyone and was just like I'm telling the world because I'm not gonna hide my identity and then when I realized that it was more than just being queer, it was that I was non-binary, that I was genderqueer. I was like, okay, it's time to come out again. I'm coming out to everybody and they can, excuse my French, but they can fuck off if yeah. they disagree. <laughs> because I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to hide. Like I'm proud of who I am and I need to live my life authentically. Um, and so I came to this like genderqueer identity uh, pretty much in like the summer before coming to my junior year. And I had told my family, and my family is so unbelievably supportive of me. They were super supportive of me when I came out as being gay, just as, if not more supportive of me coming out as being trans. Uh, So I was lucky because I could say, like, fuck everyone else if you don't agree with me because I had the support system from my family. And it's super hard to tell everyone to go screw themselves if you don't have that support system, like, emotionally and financially from your family. Uh, So I do want to just like note that I am very privileged in having this uh, experience with my family. Um, And so then I I knew that I had that support and I knew that 
my close friends were going to stay my close friends if they supported me. And if they didn't support me, then I don't know why they were my friends in the first place. So I came out to, like I said, I came out to my two co-captains who were just like, okay, yeah. And then came out to my team. And I, I think everyone was more so just not, not, uh, definitely more so just like, okay, like, yeah, coming out as something else, I guess that works. And I feel like it was more so of a confusion from just like not having any personal or like general understanding of what it meant to be trans, which I do think was a problem because I tried to get people to do, uh, we have this training called out allies or out peers if you're out yourself. Uh, and if it's a program so that your name goes on a list on campus, that's like in the restrooms and the student union, the dining halls, you name it. And it's just this list of peers that you can talk to confidentiality, like with some confidentiality about if you have questions, if you're coming out or if your best friend or like a classmate came out or you just have questions about what it means to be trans and you just like see a familiar name on this list and it's all confidential. And so I tried to get my women's teammates uh, last year to do it. And although my close friends on the team, they did it without like second guessing it. There were a handful of people that just refused to do it straight up were free and just were like, no, I'm not doing that. And so that felt awful being on, being the captain of a team where team members refused to support me and refused to get the very, very small educational experience to be able to stop dead naming me and to stop using the wrong pronouns. And those were the same individuals that dead named me and used the wrong pronouns throughout the entire season. Um, so that, that really, that hit hard and it wasn't anything that I could do is had to do with their lack of respect and maturity in helping a teammate. Yeah. Um, um oh. I, I have a couple questions that just came from that. Um, first off, you talked about the, um, kind of insensitivity from the ma- the men's team, uh, when you came, when you came out the first time, um, when you switched teams, were you worried about that insensitivity going like happening again or like um, how how was it when you made that switch? Were they accepting? Was it kind of hard? Um, like what was what was that like? Yeah, so I was I was a little concerned mainly because uh, at the end of my junior year, I had a meal with one of my close friends who was on the men's team, uh, and he was the year below me. And I confided in him. I said like, Hey, don't talk with anyone else about this, but I wanted to know what it would be like if I were to join the men's team. And I knew that he would give it to me straight and let me know. Uh, and so he said, he said that he would 100% back me that we could probably make it work, but that there's a possibility that I'll feel so uncomfortable or like pretty much harassed that I'll want to quit the team. And that scared me. And I was like, okay, I don't know if being on the men's team is an option anymore. Um, but then the thing was, was that the people that created this, uh, toxic uh mass like toxic masculinity like boys drink beer Saturdays are for the boys like that type of bs uh had graduated like the people that were disrespectful when I came out as being gay those people were no longer there and the team environment that I was about to go into for my senior year was so much healthier it was so much more open and welcoming and so even though I did have that conversation with that friend in the back of my mind I felt more comfortable, more safe joining the men's team, given 
who was on the team this year. So I had been doing captain's practices for the women's team, but I was like, I already knew all the people on the men's team and then was introduced to all the first years. And I could sense a really great positive vibe about, Hey, like we're, we're here to play. Uh, and then like we hang out after and like, there's like just no judgment. And so, yeah. And so I was just like, okay, I saw that while I was on the women's team and I, I'll either be on the, like my two, I only had two options. It was no matter what, quit the women's team and the options were play on the men's team, or I guess I don't have a sport anymore. Um, and luckily my favorite option of being able to play in the sport still happened. So when I came out, uh, well, I mean, I was, that's just not true. I was already out to the team as non-binary and everyone already knew that. But when I had the meeting with the athletic director and uh, coaches with the men's team saying, hey, I'm on your team now, it truly could have not been a better experience. Um, so you, you talked about the, uh, sen- the, the lack of sensitivity as well from some parts of the female team. Um, I remember when I, like every year, we used to have to do like, um, like hours of training about NCA compliance and stuff. Um, do you think that the NCAA or even individual collegiate programs um, should add something to like their orientation packet um, to help LGBTQ athletes like try and make sensitivity training mandatory? And how would you go about doing that? Oh, absolutely. Um, because the thing is, is that we have these, at least this is specific to Bowdoin, we have these optional trainings on campus. But then the thing is, is that the people that need the education or would benefit the most from having the vocabulary or the tools to understand other identities are the ones that aren't going to go to these optional trainings, right? If it's not mandatory, people aren't going to show up. And so I think it is absolutely necessary to have some form of required uh, presentation, video, whatever it happens to be, one for gender and one for sexuality, because they are two completely different topics that just inform people of the variety of beautiful identities that people can hold so that things can change from being so heteronormative and cisnormative to accepting of all identities, like all gender, all sexualities. And so I feel like one way to do that, that's pretty much the easiest is just to have a, a video for people to watch. And I mean, I have a YouTube channel where I try to provide that form of education on gender and sexuality Um to the public. And it's something that my athletic director here at school is going to be sharing with the athletic programs uh, that start next year, I believe. I'm still working out the details with him. But because I gave him my presentation on gender identity, and he told me that he learned so much. And I told him that I think that it should be something that all athletes should be a part of, uh, should have the knowledge of. And he agreed with me. And so our school is trying to make the step to make people more knowledgeable. But it should definitely be something that's on a larger scale for all college, university programs to just create that baseline level of respect. Um, I mean, like, Bowdoin is a fairly liberal school, and with such, you still have some issues um, in the transitioning process and with acceptance from your peers. Um, what kind of what kind of advice would you give to athletes that have gone to higher profile and with such more conservative athletic programs that are having a rough time being LGBTQ? Yeah, that is just, wow. So from my own experience, it's so different. 
So I don't really feel like I am qualified or really able to provide any advice given the fact that I am at such a small uh, liberal arts college. But what I would say, like the main thing is that the message of my advocacy, besides for the educational aspect, is just the fact that we are all beautiful, we are all valid, and we are all authentic. And we all deserve to have that level of not only self-respect, but respect from our peers, from our society. And so when you're at a larger university or college that's conservative, religious, whatever it happens to be, where LGBTQ plus identities don't have as much acceptance or even acknowledgement as something that is so beautiful and valid, I think it really just has to start with with affirmations from society, from the school, from teammates in acknowledging that everyone is valid and everyone is unique and the things that make us unique and make us diverse are what makes the team as a whole beautiful. And I feel like that conversation is lost with all of the conservative ideology or religious ideology that attempts to invalidate a race and just harm for just a lack of a better word, queer identities. And so I mean, if there are any athletes that are at those institutions, the mess- the only message that I really have for you is just that I hope that you know that you are valid and that you are beautiful the way you are, even though the messages that we receive from society or our institutions themselves try to tell us otherwise. And honestly, besides for that message, I, can- I can't even imagine what it would be like to try to transition, uh, like, if it's from one binary gender to another or a binary gender to uh, being non-binary or agender or pangender at a larger college or institution, because depending on the state that the school is in, depending on the athletic regulations that that division has to follow, that individual may or may not be able to stay playing their sport, or they may be forced if they're on scholarship to stay playing the sport on the wrong gender team. That must be super invalidating and dysphoric if they don't want to play on that team anymore, but in order to finish their um, undergraduate education are forced to do so. There are so many factors that are involved. It has to do with socioeconomic status, support from family, friends, or your own ability to support yourself emotionally and financially. Um, like I said, the the geographic location, the laws of that state, or the, is the school private or public? There are so many different factors. Also thinking about religion, what the individual really, what that individual's religion is, but also like their ethnicity, their race, all of these factors come together to make things so difficult for individuals to be their authentic selves. Even though all those individual aspects of individuals is what makes them so beautiful and unique. So I guess all I'd have to say is I hope that society is going to see how valid and beautiful all of these individuals are. And I would simply like recommend that if there is an LGBTQ organization at the school or a confidential resource to chat with that group or that individual, hopefully the school has a staff position that is for diversity and inclusion. I know uh, that I'm, I'm pretty sure it is a legal requirement in most states. So I would definitely look into that confidential resource, at least to have someone to talk to about your experiences. And then if your school does not have any of these confidential resources, I would recommend reaching out to um, nonprofit uh, kind of law-centered organizations in the area or even just that are national to get advice on what your process would look like. 
if it's coming out to see what you can do about preventing harassment, if it's whether sexuality or gender, um, there are a lot of different avenues that people can take to find ways to be authentic and comfortable with themselves while still playing the sport that they love. Um, I mean, we, we now live in an age where like um, everything's kind of conjoined where athletics and politics kind of go hand in hand. Um, and a lot of sports teams have like started like you can play days and um, hockey does hockey for everyone. And sometimes it just feels kind of half-assed. Um, how do you think that like sports teams, because it's expected of them now can improve these discussions when it comes to LGBTQ issues um, like in sports moving forward, or does it even fall on them? That's a great question. Um, I, I personally think that all the change comes from the leaders of a team. I think that if a training program or a educational program that the team is doing, if it's half-assed, then that's because the team leaders are not in it because people look to the team leaders to understand how they're going to uh, engage in an activity or with a training. And I mean, the most, and the thing is, it's not only the team leaders it also has to do with the type of person on the team, quite frankly, because even though I was a team leader on the women's team and I tried harder than anything to get people involved with training, people just honestly, I want to say morally corrupt because they refused to listen to me when I was trying to get our team to be more respectful. However, it's completely different on the men's team. When I got on the men's team, every single, every single individual on the men's team was signed up for out peers training. And that was without me mentioning it. The captains of the men's team had posted in our group chat that the training was coming up and said that they were going to do it. They wanted to make sure that people knew that the option was there. And then when the time rolled around, I was actually at our LGBTQ center on campus doing a, um, in one of the other rooms, there's this Wellness Wednesday thing. And the whole team uh, and I, this is when I was on the men's team, were getting acupuncture together. And then we heard there were cookies in the other room. And the other room is like the LGBTQ garage hangout space. So we went into that space and they were signing people up for out allies training. And I was like, oh, I've already done that. Like, maybe you guys are interested. And they're like, oh, yeah, sweet. Sounds good. Sign us up. And so they signed up just on the spot, didn't even think about it. They're like, all right, let's do it. And then when the time rolled around for like this, um, the finalized sign up sheet, I just helped my, uh, I just helped the captains of my team say like, hey, I know the person that runs this program. If you're interested, like my message. And every single person liked the message and every single person went to the training. And my coach made our practice for that day optional so that people could go to the training. And it just felt so amazing to not having be like, Hey, you guys should do this because you could benefit from this education. It was simply like, Hey, this is an option. And they're like, Oh yeah, obviously we're going to do this. So I think it's a mix of having team leaders be really passionate about the, the education and the activities that they're doing with their team. And then also trying to, get athletes that are passionate about understanding others. I think it's a mix. Absolutely. Um, so how, how <laughs> this came to be, uh, we did go to, we went to school together when we were young. Um, and then we connect on Facebook as people do. And you decided to post your story on Facebook and, um, and you've kind of been documenting the whole journey. You've led talks and created a website and a YouTube channel 
dedicated to this journey and teaching others? And what led you to deciding to be so dedicated to documenting this, to getting it out into the world? Yeah, so I, I mean, I am a very just like open individual. Um, I would say I'm a people person, if I don't mind tooting my own horn. Um, so I, I just, I like engaging with people. Um, and I didn't really even think about it, honestly. I was always open about sharing what was happening in my life and stories that happened to me. And I realized that people were listening and people were learning from me, just randomly sharing what happened to me. And so I decided that I knew that if I was out on social media, that anyone could find it at any point in time, even like in my future, uh, like my, my parents would constantly warn me saying like, maybe like you shouldn't come out because of jobs, uh, which is completely a fair thing to say. And I said, well, I'm not going to work at any jobs that aren't going to like me because of my identities, which could, I mean, that's me being idealistic about the whole thing and me being, uh, I don't know, but I, I knew that that was the case as well. And so I made the decision for myself that I was going to come out because I wanted to be open because if I had someone that was out that I knew about when I was younger, then it wouldn't have taken me 21 years to come to my identity. If there had been public figures or social media that showed the bright side of being queer rather than the, oh, you're this or that or gossip or is this person this, then it wouldn't have taken me so long to be like, hey, I'm awesome and I'm authentic the way I am and I happen to be a queer person. Um, so I, I decided that I wanted to be the person that I needed growing up for other people. And then I made my social media account, uh, I made my Instagram account public. I made a Facebook page for my advocacy. Uh, I just released my YouTube channel this past uh, couple, this past month, actually. Well, I guess it's January now. So in December, so that I could help with education and sharing my own story for other people to hear. So hopefully there's that that elementary school person or even that person in their retirement home that's hearing me share my understanding of myself and they're like whoa I relate to that and they're able to then have support through me I'm really open I love getting messages from people on social media uh, to be able to support them or answer their questions because I just want to be that person for other people I want to be that support that people don't necessarily have um all right so this has been amazing um if people want if our listeners uh, have found this interesting if they want to find you and what you're doing where can they do so great question um so you can follow me on instagram at lex underscore horowitz and it's the same for my twitter and then my facebook is at queer resist lex and my youtube is my name lex horowitz and then i also created this lovely website this past uh new year's because starting off the new year's right with this queer revolution go 2019 and that website is www.queerresistlex. Hold on, actually. I'm going to double check this because I thought I had it memorized, but I don't know. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So queerresistlex.wixsite.com backslash my site. And I'll also send you – oh, just got something stuck in my throat. I will also send you this info, so hopefully we can post it with the, yes. the recording itself. But yeah, definitely, please do not hesitate to 
reach out to me on social media, to follow me, to share your stories with me. If there are questions that you have or information or stories that you want to hear about, I am so happy to be involved and engaged in sharing my story, helping you share your story, or simply just being a support person. Um, Thank you so much for your time. It has meant so much. Um, This has been totally educating and valuable. I appreciate it so much. And I can't wait. This is going to go out this weekend. So we're recording a little bit ahead of time. But thank you so much. I cannot wait to get this out and for people to discover you um, the way that we have and learn from you. And I'm very appreciative of your time. Thanks so much. And Actually, can I leave us on one little note? Of course. Great. So I realized that I said that my pronouns were they, them in the beginning. And I, in a silly way, forgot to say what that means because there are a lot of people that don't really uh, understand what the use of pronouns are. And so I just wanted to say that I use they, them pronouns in the same way that someone who identifies as a man uses he, him pronouns to show that he identifies as a man in the similar way that people that identify as women use she, her pronouns to show that their gender identity is that of a woman. And so what pronouns do are there ways for us to talk about people Uh, either if they're there or if they're not actually there without using their name constantly. And so the thing is, is that it's never, it's, you never know someone's pronouns, meaning you don't know their gender identity unless they have told you. So if you're friends with someone and you know that they identify as a, a gender person, so someone that doesn't have a gender and they're okay with using any and all pronouns, then you're free to use whatever pronouns for that person. Same way as if you know that you're, your boyfriend identifies as a man and uses he, him pronouns. But the message that I want to leave you with is that when you're walking down the street and you see a stranger, you will likely make assumptions about what you think their gender identity is or what you think their sex is based on what you physically see. But all that you physically see is their sex, right? Being male, female, or intersex. But what we don't know is their gender identity because gender identity is in the mind. It's if someone understands themselves to be Uh, gender nonconforming, a woman or a man. But what we physically see is not only sex, but gender expression. So is someone expressing themselves femininely, masculinely, or androgynously. And that gender expression doesn't necessarily align with someone's gender identity or with their sex. So if you see someone and you assume that they're male and they're presenting on that day masculinely, you don't know that they identify as a man. So although we make these assumptions, if you're going to say something to this stranger, then don't use gendered language or don't use gendered pronouns. Use they, them, or say, hey, folks, or how can I help you today, uh, friend, rather than saying sir or ma'am, which is something that I believe needs to be happening more in um, service jobs, for instance. So I'll go up to a counter and I'll constantly be misgendered when all they have to ask is, like, I don't even know, is, like, what, uh, is it surname? Is, like, is that what, like, the miss, Mr. Ma'am, whatever that is? Uh, Perfect. There we go. Thank you. Like this, like what products do you use rather than just automatically assuming and then making me feel like crap for the entire day after that encounter. Um, So like asking people for like what their prefixes or ask or just simply using gender neutral language and gender neutral pronouns for everyone until they say, yep, he, him works for me because making these assumptions is harming people that don't hold those identities. So I just wanted to leave that little note on gender-neutral language is great. Gender-neutral pronouns work until you know what someone's gender identity is. And it's actually more respectful to use gender-neutral language and pronouns for someone you don't know the gender identity of because you're saying, hey, I respect you enough to not assume your identity. And that is the message I wanted to leave us with. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today for educating us. It means so much. Again, um, I can't express that enough. Um, you can find Lex at their uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, website. It's all going to be down here. Um, we're very excited to have them. Thank you very much. So that was Lex Horowitz. Um, Lex can be found on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, their website. All of this is going to be posted um, with the with the podcast. Everything will be linked. Well, you've already seen it because you're looking at the podcast. Um, they are also writing a blog for us that will be going up in a couple of days. Um, they're amazing. Follow them if you care about these issues or if you don't. And you should probably learn more if you don't care. So, yes, follow Lex. They were such a great interview. That was such a good interview. I was blown away by uh, by everything they had to say. And I really liked um, – uh, it was kind of really eye-opening about um, that one quote about how sports are so binary. I think as someone who has never, yeah. like, played sports, especially not, like uh, – uh, not someone who's not genderqueer, even though I am queer, it, like, I've never really processed just how binary sports are. Um, yeah. Um, but Lex will be going more into that in the blog, I believe. I'm really excited for that. Um, let's talk about something else that I was really excited for. And that was Brandon Manning turning to the Oilers. (laughs) Um, I can't believe you just said you were excited for Brandon Manning going to the Oilers. (laughs) I was, because this has been something that every... Flyers fans saw coming and it's going to be a disaster and it's going to ruin Connor McDavid's life. And I'm very excited. Um, just as a Connor McDavid hater. I'm no Connor McDavid lover. Um, for some reason, it no me cae bien, like something about him. Uh, but you know what? I would not wish that on him. It's amazing. Okay. Let's dive into this because every Flyers fan thought that Connor, that not Connor McDavid, that Brandon Manning was going to go to the Oilers this past off season. And then I guess Chicago just offered him more money, but the Oilers make so much sense because he's from Edmonton and he's not very good, which is like Peter Torelli's like bread and butter. So Chicago takes him, and then they realize what Flyer fans have been saying, which is he's not good. And so they fleece Torelli, but the only part of this that makes me like angry is the fact that it came out that Peter Chiarelli wanted Brandon Manning last year, but Ron Hextall wouldn't trade him. And to me, that validates the Ron Hextall. Fuck, what's happening? Sorry. Sorry. Um. <laughs> oh god. Uh, that validates the Ron Hextall firing right there. Like, if you can't get something for Brandon Manning, and instead you just let him walk and we got nothing out of the deal, are you fucking kidding me, Ron? Like, even if it's just a pick. Like, I could take a physical shit and put it in my hand and offer it to Peter Torelli, and he would give me a second. Like, I don't understand how you don't fleece Peter Torelli. If you can't fleece Peter Torelli, you're a bad GM. It validates your firing. Goodbye, Ron. I'm amazed that you took something about how bad Peter Torelli is and just managed to turn it into a Flyers rant. (laughs) I'm talented. What can I say? uh, Someone in our our, uh, group chat once said, oh, take a shot every time Gabby makes something that's not about the Flyers, about the Flyers. And (laughs) everyone's like, no, you're going to fucking die if you try to do that. I 
am the skip bayless of this podcast just everybody fucking hates me and i can make anything about my it team. works for you and it works for uh for um for annie with king stuff technically i feel like it would work for me with panther stuff but you know what yeah. yeah. Don't those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Listen, but the thing is that no one cares about my team, so I have to make everything about my team because it's the only thing they'll ever hear about it. This wasn't this wasn't not about the flyers because it came out that Brent it, there was a link because I've done it in the past where I'm like this has nothing to do with the flyers but like oh, this has something no, to do with know. the flyers. There was a hit and I'm gonna grab it. I'm gonna untrap okay. that string. Back, back to the Edmonton Oilers, though. If you have to call a player for permission to trade for someone, probably don't get that player. Like, Brent, so the whole story is, it, his rookie year, Connor McDavid playing the Flyers in the Wells Fargo, lost an edge, took Brandon Manning down with him, and Brandon Manning couldn't stop himself, and the two went into the boards, and he became, Connor became Connor McBroken. Like, not Brandon Manning's fault. The problem arose when Brandon Manning took credit for it and was like, yeah, I did that on purpose. Shut the fuck up, Brandon. Um, and then, so Connor called him classless. There was a fight. I have this whole shadow theory um, where if you, like, look back, um, after the first game where uh, Brandon Manning got his ass kicked by, I believe it was Milan Lucic. Um, it was either Milan Lucic or Chris Russell the first time they played again after he came back from his collarbone. Um, like, Brandon Manning got the ass, the shit kicked out of him, and then he never played against Connor McDavid again. Like, he was always mysteriously a healthy scratch. Like, wouldn't come out for anything, but Connor McDavid shows up and Brandon Manning's in the press box. It didn't make sense. Um, so, uh, sorry. <laughs> I need to turn this off, but I'm not going to. Um, we knew from the so beginning Brandon we Manning... to turn it off. <laughs> but we knew... I'm not going to. I know this we also knew important. you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. But like, you know what? It works. It's part of your personality. It's fine. Keep going. Jumpers. <laughs> um, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, my shot theory. So Brandon Manning hasn't played a game against Connor McDavid since. And so if you are, if the NHL is literally forcing these players to not be near each other, and then you go and trade for him, go, go, go. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep talking it, it would fit into it perfectly you probably shouldn't do it Darren Sproles is my favorite I don't care that he's 36 we should resign him he's like 4 foot 2 just fucking runs the ball um, <laughs> uh, but yeah so it just like it, you shouldn't get that player especially when he's as bad as Brandon Manning like Brandon Manning brings nothing to a team he's got like a coursey of like negative something not really but it's like relative course is definitely negative which is the course um, that matters most uh what was i saying um he like he doesn't bring anything offensively like he scored a goal last year because he broke physics like he banked it off the wall and it somehow got behind greg anderson it didn't make sense like that's his like claim to fame and then if you're losing by three with two minutes left he'll fight somebody and get his ass kicked and then he'll be like heart and soul like that's brandon manning as a player Like, he brings nothing. I'm sorry, Edmonton. Not sorry, Connor McDavid. This is going to be fun to watch. Not the only fleecing Peter Trelli had this week, though. Or fleecing of Peter Trelli that happened. So, 
Uh, my my theory is that they got Brandon Manning, even though it was like on, it was eventually going to happen. They had to put announce it on the same day because they wanted to cover up from the fact that they also fucked up with, by trading um, a defenseman, Chris Weidman, uh, to the Florida Panthers, along with a third round pick, and not just any third round pick. It's a conditional third round pick, which me the conditions are that the Panthers will get the better of the two picks that Edmonton has right now. Um, and the third pick alone is like like you win it with the third pick alone because uh, as much as I like Alexander Petrovich as like a dude as someone that I've seen from draft until now in his career, he's not good. He is really not good. He'll make like one decent play and then make like four plays that like cost your team. Um, and so he, he was our seventh defenseman um, and Edmonton got him and put, and now he's playing on their top D, which I fucking do not understand. Um, so yeah. Petty uh, Petro, as much as I love him, he is a bit of a liability on the ice. And we got Chris Weidman, and it was announced today that we've we put him on waivers. He only played one game, uh, one game with us before we put him on wa- waivers. But all, to be fair, on that first game, he had like uh, he got a, a penalty, the stupidest possible penalty, immediately. He had he had gotten into the box and he had more penalty minutes than he had time on ice that's so i like even even though like like we've put him on waivers there's a chance someone will claim him and it's like it's dumb but the fact that we got anything for petty is like that's fine that's perfect we still fleeced uh peter torelli and chris weidman is better is a better player than uh than alexander petrovich but like we don't need him we have better players that we were sitting on our we were sitting them in the in the press box basically just because we were trying to like show that we valued uh petro so that peter torelli could be like hmm hmm, this man he's from edmonton and he sucks so let's take him much like Brandon Manning. I feel like Peter Torelli, like, I feel like Peter Torelli is like a squirrel. <laughs> like, if you, like, dangle something shiny, he's like, oh, what's that? Can I give you, can I give you somebody good for it? How about a future MVP? Yeah. Like, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Um, can I ask a kind of controversial yeah, question? Ahead. Are the Oilers actually bad? Yeah. Now they are. <laughs> but, like, but they have the pieces that they shouldn't be. They have the They've got Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Darnell Nurse, Oscar Kleffbaum, Ryan Nugent-Hawkins, Jesse Pugliarvi, and Adam Larson. They shouldn't be bad. They also have Ken Hitchcock. They also have Ken Hitchcock. Uh, uh, Oh, I've been there. Oh, I have been there. But Ken Hitchcock isn't a bad coach. He's a frustrating coach, but he's not a bad coach. All these pieces that should definitely work. They have proven that they can work together. They play beautifully together. We have Ken Hitchcock. What is going wrong? I've been there. Are you, are you, is this your hot take? Is your hot take that Ken Hitchcock is a bad coach? I didn't say anything because I don't want anybody on Twitter to jump me. But listen, listen, <laughs> if the shoe fits, if the shoe fits. 
Okay, but the the Edmonton Oilers, like the moment they they had the coaching change, the moment that Ken Hitchcock came in, he like sprinkled his little magic pixie dust, and suddenly they were good because they were sucking for a while. But now they're sucking again. So I I just I don't know what's up. Listen, I think okay, so I don't. He is a play hard and fast kind of guy, and that doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Uh, he's very He's very star power driven. So he will push your stars as hard, as hard as they can go. He will stretch them thin. And then what happens when they stretch too thin? Well, we, we see it a lot. All I'm saying is that he's a good coach to a certain extent. Sarah? Sarah, you're going in now. He's a good coach. To an, uh, to an extent. Okay. he He's not as good. Exactly, as yeah. Basically. That's, he's also that's pretty, it. like, kind of a million years old, so. Yeah. It's, he keeps trying to retire, and then these teams keep sucking, and they're like, Ken, here's money, and he's not going <laughs> to turn it down. The man just wants to move to Edmonton and live in the snow, and if your hockey team would just stop sucking, he could do that. <laughs> also, the the like, I don't think it was that much of a difficult choice to go in and be like, oh, I got to coach Connor McDavid. But uh, the problem is that, like, Ken Hitchcock was going to be Peter Torelli's, like, saving grace. Like, he was, it was going to be the thing that bought him, like, another season, or at least until the uh, – until the off season, but I don't know if that's going to happen now because the Edmonton Oilers are bad. Hmm. I just—they're just wasting Connor McDavid. Um, you said that Ken Hitchcock is not as good as people think. Are the New York Islanders as good no. as people think? Did you see what happened to them today? I. What happened today? I saw what ha- I saw they beat somebody last night. If, if it's the game I'm thinking of, they got shut out. If it if it if it's the they game I'm it? thinking of, if they played yesterday, then it's probably not. It could be because they're Saturday, Sunday back to back. So let's pull up NHL. I hate the NHL app; it takes forever. Scores: Islanders, Islanders, Islanders. Oh well, they then I would, today. Oh, the Rangers okay. got. Well, I mean, it's it's Every New York. New York. It's, it's, they're the same team in my head, okay? Let's be real. They're the this same is a, people. This is a side note, because the funniest thing, uh, uh, Namita, who posted a uh, a generator for um, Elliot Friedman, who, Elliot Friedman, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he is notorious for getting the, uh, like, the, um, what's it called? You know the three letters? You know how it's, like, three letters that identify? Yeah, so he's notorious for getting them wrong, for fucking them up completely. And so she made an Elliot Friedman uh, generator. So you go in and you click your team. And almost always, if you click the New York Islanders, it'll show up as NYR, which is something that really he would do. If you like Namita and you want to hear more from Namita, we did the interview with her this summer. So you can go back and listen to that. It's like episode six or seven. Somewhere in there. But anyway, the New York Islanders. Um, I don't think they're – I don't think – I think they're good. Like, Matt Barzell is obviously, like, on a tear right now. He had that hat trick against Toronto. Beating Toronto was big. But, like, if you look if you look at it – because I wrote, I wrote the piece on this that's on the blog. Go read the blog. Um, 
I wrote the piece on the subs on the blog. Um, and if you if you bring it all down, their stars are all on like pace to score the same amount of points as last year, and they lost John Tavares, which was eighty five points. So they're not like going to make Jesus. that up. Um, but they've got these they've got these depth players that have come to play. Like Brock Nelson is like setting career highs. Um, who who else was it? Brock Nelson, Casey Sezikis is on a tear that like makes no sense. Um, but that's the best fourth line in hockey or whatever they call it. Um, and then Scotty Mayfield, if he stays healthy, can be a real player for that team. He's a good defenseman. They've got him in the third um, third deep pair right now, but they don't play him like that. Like Scotty Mayfield can make a really big difference with the, on this team. And I think I think that's a piece that they should be most excited about when it comes to those depth depth pieces. But um, they're like their depth players are picking it up. And then their goalies are good, which is weird for the yeah. island. Like Robin Lehner getting out of Buffalo has been amazing yeah. for him. And then Thomas Grice is like at like a nine twenty seven save percentage last I looked. So with with Robin Lehner, like I really like him with with what he's done to help himself after he like got diagnosed and now he's taking care of his mental health that is awesome it's great to see that like you can see not just like how well he's doing in his health you see it reflected in the numbers um and it but like grice is like it blew me away that grice would be that decent you know like who would have thought yeah and um but you can kind of tell like even if you don't pay attention to the islanders if you just went in and looked at barzal's numbers like that should show you just how well their depth pieces are doing because he's going on a a major uh goal scoring droughts like he's going on and off goal scoring droughts throughout the whole process he went on a 13 game goal scoring drought and it's like it's wild because he is kind of the dude since uh john tavares left like anders lee is the captain but uh but matt barzal is the dude he's the guy he's their star hmm. he's um sorry i just thought of an, an idea i'm writing that down <laughs> i just hear oh. you typing and i'm like what is she doing because like i get worried when you start typing up shit I'm an idiot. We know this. <laughs> um, I have to make notes. Otherwise, I don't remember what happened during the podcast. Yeah, I, I just black out. Know. I'm fucking. <laughs> Bye. Um, I wasn't totally paying attention. But um, <laughs> can you recap what you just said real quick? Other than Sorry. Matt Barzell's the dude. <laughs> oh, Matt Barzell's the dude. The New York Islanders are actually good. Um, Barry Trotz is a good coach. It's just proving it. Oh, let's talk about this. I don't know. I don't remember if I talked about it this week with Barry Trotz's comments before the Toronto no, game. Did I, I talk think, about that? I feel I like I did. I think you did. Barry Trotz before the Toronto game was like, he left you guys to make more money. Not true. He left to make less money. Um, and you guys should be offended for that. Get fired up. Barry. Barry. <laughs> Barreled. You just did the same thing. Like, just did the same thing. What was that thing you accused me of? Like, oh, uh, people in glass houses shouldn't th- throw stones? That's what he did. He just fucking yeah. threw a stone through his own glass house. <laughs> I mean, it worked. 
But like, oh, barreled. Think before <laughs> you talk, Bear. But Trotz is a good yeah. coach. Oh, the one thing I want to say about the New York Islanders before we go on to um, the other, the next thing is if the Islanders make it to the playoffs, they are going to be very similar to the 2016-17 National Predators. Like, I don't expect them to get, like, a high seed. Like, I think they'll go in a wild card, too. But if we've learned anything from the playoffs is that you need quality depth, and they are getting it. Like, their stars are not as bright as stars of other teams, but their depth players are deep, and they are good. And that's what gets you to the Stanley Cup final. So if they get there, I would worry about the New York yeah. Islanders. Hmm. All right. Winter Classic. Um, can I do a quick recap of Please this do. year's Winter Classic? And then we can go Honestly, into... Honestly, it passed, so just go ahead. <laughs> 2018 Winter Classic. They're in Indiana for some reason. Chicago versus Bruins. Um, a leprechaun fell. Sean Curley scored the game-winning goal in the state where he played junior hockey. It was cool. He's very clucked. I wrote a piece. Reading Did on the you blog. call him right. Sean Curley? I thought his yeah, name was Sean Curley. Yeah. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> you just had me Curly. like going through like a moment. I was like Sean. Curly? I was reading it Curley. Also, Curley. Cur- also, Curly, to be mentioned, whatever. this is this was the fourth time the Blackhawks have played the Winter Classic specifically, the fifth outdoor game they've ever played, but the Winter Classic specifically the fourth time. And also the fourth time they've lost it. Yeah, they're the they're the players that have played in the most winter classics, and they've lost every single goddamn one of them. And it is so satisfying. And now uh Gary Bettman's like, oh yeah, they're not gonna play in any more winter classics. And it's like, mm, well, shouldn't have sucked so bad. Shut up, Gary. You know you're gonna put them in more winter classics <laughs> for some goddamn reason. I think when they were winning all the cups and they had all those bandwagon fans, it made sense to keep putting them in the Winter Classic because yeah. they kept showing up. But now that they suck again, like yeah, they really struggled. No they struggled to sell those tickets. I remember that was like a big deal. Like they had, and with Indiana, like that's a college football stadium. Yeah. It's not even big. Like you can't sell those tickets. So, um, all right, 2019, Ooh. 2020 Winter Classic. 2019-2020 Winter Classic is being held here in Texas at the Cotton Bowl Stadium, and I am fucking high. Okay, so, like, I've seen a lot of jokes. People seem to think that Texas is not going to be able to host an outdoor rink, blah, blah, blah. It's so hot. It's being held in hotter places, so shut up. Also, this year for the holidays, we hosted an outdoor rink anyway. It was in Frisco, which is, like, Dallas's little neighbor. Anyway, it's a whole thing. So, Frisco was held there, and it worked out fine. And Popularity for this upcoming upcoming Winter Classic is already booming. They've been taking like little, um, what is it called? They've kind of, it's like a statistic. A census, they've been taking censuses at games asking, you know, who's ready for the Winter Classic. And the number is only going up and up and up. Because here, hockey is sort of a, a word, word of mouth kind of thing. So you tell one person, they tell a different person and so on and so forth. So by the time we roll around to actual ticket sellings it's gonna be great it's gonna be fun i'm super hyped there's a whole lot i want to talk about with our gm and everything but uh that's the basic idea of it <laughs> there 
I'm like the people who are making all of those jokes about how Dallas is fucking like can't host the winter class. That's stupid. Cause first of all, we have like, you have outdoor rinks anywhere. You have outdoor rinks, rinks in South Florida and it works out. Second of all, it fucking snows in Dallas sometimes. It's fucking ridiculous. They hosted a, um, uh, it wasn't a winter classic. It was like, um, some kind of exhibition game. They hosted it in fucking Nevada in the late nineties. Like, Mm -hmm. you think they had the tech in the fucking 90s to go in Nevada where it actually is fucking hotter, hot as balls, hotter than Texas, and put a rink there? They put one in Los Angeles. In St. Louis, wasn't it like um, 60-something degrees or something? I don't think it was St. Louis. It was one one of those – it was somewhere, somewhere where they – it was supposed to be cold, but they it was only like 60-something degrees, and they put a rink there, and it worked out fine. Mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian just, like, made, like, a winter wonderland in her backyard in Calabasas, a place that was just yeah. on fire. Like, it's not going it's, to it's, – it'll be fine, people. People relax. fail to realize, and I guess because Dallas is a non-traditional hockey market, people fail to realize just how much Dallas and surrounding Texas areas love these stars. Like, we love hockey. We love the stars. And those stars fans are insanely loyal. And if they're not stars fans, then they generally show up to represent other teams. So hockey all around is very popular here, especially with all the work that the Stars Foundation and people like Tyler Sagan have put into the city. Like, it shows. It shows. Uh, we, when Sammy came down to watch this past game, we went out to eat afterwards. And people there, you know, they were just working at this restaurant. They had nothing to do with the game. They weren't, We weren't even by the AAC, but they still, you know, stopped us and they want to know who the Stars have played. They wanted to know who won. You know, they people care. They care more than what you would think. Sorry. Um, okay. I have a question for you. Is Jim Lights the biggest jackass on the face of the planet that he would call out a star players like three days before announcing You have no idea. Oh my God. So the fact that he's done this. Okay, so a Winter Classic, they don't just pull that out of their ass. Like they've been planning this for a long time. Bettman even said that they've been ping-ponging this idea with Dallas for years now. And I definitely believe it. Because I remember like two years ago hearing a rumor from other Stars fans like, oh, we might get the Winter Classic. And at the time, I was like, no, nah, no, we won't. What are you talking about? And now here we are, and we have it. Unfortunately, though, our CEO is a massive idiot who launched what he did, which at this point, we all know what he did. He did what he did just a few days before announcing this. And I'm like, if you wanted to call attention, this was definitely not the way to do it. Um, but also, how could you? How could you? Um, fans to that... Sammy and I went to that game immediately afterwards. And fans there, they were coming in coming in with signs. They were yelling. Everybody was there to support the players. And it seems like just living here myself, I can tell you that the only people I have seen actually on Jim Light's side has been maybe like one or two really old, toxic, masculinity-filled men. And it's like those are basically the only two people I've seen. And those were people online who want to pride themselves as critics. But yeah, everybody else, everybody else is sick of this. I like with you saying that, that kind of like, 
like that makes me think he's a fucking genius just because like um i remember someone posted like a photo of a stars game recently because i i think it was someone was making fun of um the uh the the panther stadium because we struggle to get people in the seats especially if we're sucking like we are right now um and someone else who lives in dallas posted a photo of the dallas game and it was a game that for some reason there weren't that many seats which i know is is weird for dallas that you guys usually like fill up pretty fast and um and i was thinking like oh yeah fine whatever and now that he said that it's like people are especially going out to games and bringing out their signs and they're fucking mad no 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 no. we are not about to credit jim lights with this because i have shit to say (laughs) So in his little media call out, he wanted to talk about how he was tired of hearing fans in the media criticize other players. And first of all, shut the fuck up. Because the whole problem is that we have three people who's really, really, really good at scoring. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Radula. That's the way it's been. Now this season, there's some change-ups. We've got some things kind of stirring and growing. That's wonderful. I'm here for it. But what happens when two of your top scorers enter a drought at the same time and your third is injured? Well, we saw that catastrophe happens. We don't have anybody capable of stepping up to to replace what they've lost, which, by the way, they're slowly getting it back. Like, it's coming, and we're not going to credit that Jim Lights because he and the GM have built a trash team that can't support anything when something goes wrong. And yeah. that's not Jamie Benn and Tyler Second's fault. It's really, really not. So when he was calling out the media and he specifically said, you know, what more can we do? We can't fire management. Yes, we fucking can, Jim. Yes, we, we can, can fire you. <laughs> um, well, no, it's not like Jim Lights can fire the CEO. That's got to be Lights the owner, CEO. who apparently like text him. No, I know, I know, but it's not like Jim Nil can hire can uh, fire I mean, Jim Lights. I know. Trust me. Like, I get that. I get that. I'm just saying. Like, he wants to pretend like he and. Like, I think, I think, wait, who wants to pretend like he and other management hasn't had a hand in how dis- destructive this team has become over the last six years? Like, it's not Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan signing and trading people. They have nothing to do with it. If you want to blame somebody for a team that can't support itself, you need to look at the people who's built the team. Yeah. And you can, uh, for 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 like you can tell Jim Lights is <laughs> you can tell Jim Lights is talking out of his ass if you just take one peek at the um the statistics from last season or even I think most of the seasons if you go back you see that um the the uh the team that depends the most on their top line on their top three players is uh are the Dallas Stars and I remember I was be I was so surprised when I saw that they were like sixty percent of their points uh came from their top line and it was out like like astounding because mm-hmm. for some reason I always thought it was Edmonton and Edmonton was close Edmonton was like second or third on the list but like Dallas really really is nothing without Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan and even like like Radulov like he was like a tiny bit of that like he only had a tiny sliver of uh of what their what uh of what the rest of them contributed and to be fair he just got here he just got here yeah. and you're not even counting like you have to factor in time spent injured and like all of these guys these three guys they have played so much injured they have played so much injured and it sucks it mm-hmm. sucks 
And I'm just, really? Is this, we're going to blame the two guys who have carried this team for years? Really? Yeah. I, I'm very, very, very angry about it. <laughs> um, I... Okay, I kind of want to. I want to ask you, yes. okay. Brad Marchand. So, people seem really surprised when they realize that um, Brad Marchand and Tyler Sagan have continued to be friends. But I also follow Bruins, and I tell you, it's really not that surprising. Brad Marchand has stepped up to bat for Tyler so many times. The two, I mean, they still stay in touch. There was never any blood, any bad blood between the two when Tyler got traded to Dallas. Everything's chill. And so, like, Marchand just continues to prove that time and time again. When this whole thing broke, Marchand took to the internet himself of his own accord, wasn't pressured into doing it. He just stood up and he was like, you know what, Tyler, my boy, he's fine. He's chill. Everything's good. This isn't on him. Like, he came, he defended Tyler, and he's done that before. So, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for Marchand. I love Brad Marchand with all my life. My lesbian dad. Um. Then who who do you think should play Dallas in the Winter Classic? Well, if you want a game full of history, easily the Wild. Uh, I would definitely love to see the Wild play them for the Winter Classic, and I would like to see Mike Madonna just roll up wearing his Dallas Stars Stanley Cup 1998 ring. Um, but <laughs> um, but also like. There's, there's a lot of different people the Stars could play. I wouldn't mind seeing them play, say, uh, the Blues. But the Blues is also getting the 2020 All-Stars, so that wouldn't work. Uh, Detroit, just to see Taylor kind of, you know, suffer. But that'd be stupid, too. We get Chippy playing, you know, teams like the Blackhawks. The first, the first ever live hockey game I got to attend was in Dallas. We played the Blackhawks. It was beautiful. I saw Patrick Kane almost get his collarbone broken on a goalpost. Uh, there was some high sticking. It was just a fun, fast game. We lost by one point in the st- in the third. Well, if you want stars. chippiness, I. What? If you want chippiness, I. If you want chippiness in the game, I very vividly remember that one game against the Florida Panthers, where you guys, uh, where there were like fucking a million fights. That is true. But also, like, sometimes I have to wonder, like, is that a natural thing every time they play? Or is it just the stars being the stars? Because they, like, people seem to forget that the stars, they do get very, I know this is crazy, because for the past few years, we were known as the town without any D. Oh, Dallas doesn't have any D. They're D-Liz. Enter dick joke here. But um, they get incredibly defensive about other players. Um, so yeah. anybody goes down or if they, you know, if they see some guy go up. No, yeah, that, that game was definitely an, 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 an anomaly. And, and the, the Panthers were last year, uh, for some reason, they were the, the team that fought the most. I was just making a joke. Uh, plus I heard there's, uh, Greg Wachinski said that, um, there were talks with, uh, Gary Bettman saying that, um, uh, a winter classic coming down the line with the Florida teams in Florida. So it would not be the Panthers. I was just putting it out there to talk shit. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, you got to go Minnesota for the history. Um, the idea of trolling the state of Minnesota would be amazing just because, like, Philadelphia already owns the state of Minnesota. I don't know if you guys know that. 
but like we're so far in the Vikings head and we also took Jimmy Butler from them. So like it, it would be amazing to watch somebody else get to make fun of Minnesota as well. Um, I think, I think that's the game that makes the most sense. I don't know why they just like won't announce that that's who it's going to be. Um, the whole like guessing game is kind of annoying. Um, also guessing is uh, the winter classic avalanche don't have an opponent, an opponent yet. Let it be, which is dumb. Who was it that we were talking about? We wanted it to be. Okay. Yeah. That'd be Detroit. Um, it, I think, I think you got to reignite that rivalry. That makes the most sense. Um, Iris spelled it all out in one of her blogs, um, that you guys should go read, but the, the Avalanche Detroit history, um, it's kind of like they, they hate each other. And the fact that they were taken out of the same division and they only play twice a year now is a shame because those were such good games. So to see that on that big stage and kind of like reignite that, I think that would, would be, be really great, cool. Also the, like with the way the Avalanche are now that they're doing really great and then uh with the way uh Detroit is doing would that be like something that they would risk for a big stage like that but well they did it with never mind um, I just answered my own question because they did it with uh Boston and Chicago yeah um and then and then that would be an abs win like because you kind of want that crowd to get their win yeah in their big game like that would that would work, and then for the Heritage Classic, we got the Battle of Atlanta that's taking <laughs> place in Regina. Uh, the Yesterday, when uh, when we were recording, Gabby said the Battle of Regina, and I was so like I was so mad that she didn't call it the Battle of Atlanta that I couldn't take pleasure in like making fun of the the whole you know the whole Regina bit. Well, I did it right today, so yeah. you can make fun oh, of Regina works, but now. Now I was well, I was ready because, for it. So it's, now it's, I'm like, you know, a letdown. <laughs> um, well, it's because these two cities are on either side of Saskatchewan. So they're meeting in the middle, which is Regina, which the fact that Regina is in Saskatchewan just <laughs> makes me laugh. Because um, Saskatchewan sounds like another name <laughs> of Regina. Um, <laughs> but that game will be good. Those are two good teams. So I feel like I feel like if Minnesota plays Dallas, those are two like decent teams. But like Flames versus Jets are both two yeah. very very good teams, and that that'll be interesting. Like that could yeah. be an Easter Conference final, which is crazy to think, especially and like you, the Flames weren't on anyone's radar until this season again. Yeah, they're just they're yeah. just sneaky good. They're just every year they're just kind of like and this, this sneaky year especially good because they stole everyone who was good from the Canes. <laughs> oh, let's talk about that for a second. Elliot Freeman reported today. I think it was just a comment. I don't know if any if it's written down anywhere, but somebody tweeted that Elliot Freeman said that Dougie Hamilton could be on the I Carolina. would fucking murder Tom Dundon and fucking Don Waddell. Don't like I'm so ready. I will go down there to Raleigh. I will kick some ass because you cannot take down. Like I've had Dougie Hamilton for like two seconds, but I will fucking fight for that kid. I love him so much. Leave him there. Let him go to his museums. Let him have fun with his team. Let him do the storm surge. Don't you dare. He has three goals in three games. Like he's a defenseman. How wild is that? Yeah. He's, I don't know what the, what more they want from him that they could be looking for a trade or what what you think you're gonna get for him that's gonna Nothing. be better. 
He's he's on pace to like break his career high, I think. I don't know. The Carolina this management doesn't make a lot of sense because like the whole Jeff Skinner thing still well, is weird to me. The Jeff Skinner thing, I think part of it was just because Jeff Skinner spent his whole career with Carolina and he unfortunately had coaches that would put him in the fucking fourth line or playing with fourth line players and he was never able, he, he never had someone to center him that could uh, handle how good he is, you know? Like he had um his uh yeah. his expectations, um, like his expected goals was always top five in the league over the past like if you look from the period of time that he entered the league until the period where he was traded, um, it he was within the top five, which is crazy. But expected goals never translated to actual goals. And now that he is on he actually has a center that's good and he's actually with a team that's helping them succeed then you see him and people are all like oh my god where did jeff skinner come from like no we've known that we've known that this is the upside that could happen if you nurture him the right way um all right speaking of jeff skinner let's move into all-stars hi I, let me see. All right. Let me, let me take this over for a quick sec. Yeah. Shay, you run, you run this. I'm (laughs) going to watch you. Gabby, Gabby didn't know (laughs) if she wanted to include the all-star in, in this week or next week, but because, uh, she wants to watch the Eagles game. She's like, I'll just let Shay talk. So let's go by division. (laughs) So real quick in the Atlantic division, uh, the Boston Bruins are sending David Pasternak. That's completely understandable. Pasta's having this like career year. Uh, they do have other players that could go in, but no one's really getting snubbed. You know, um, it's a shame that yeah. we're not going to see like Brad Marchand uh, getting booed because that's always fun. But uh, Mr. Yolo's Mr. It's called Styles in Europe. He's going to have enough personality that it'll be fine. Um, and then for the Buffalo Sabres, they're sending Jack Eichel. Uh, Jeff Skinner is definitely getting snubbed a little bit here because while Jack Eichel is uh, he's on pace to become the first Sabre to record more than 95 points since like 1992-93. Um, but like Jeff Skinner is fucking second in the league in goals. He could and he's shooting at a ridiculous 22.2% rate and he like why isn't fucking Jeff Skinner in? Like it, like the the format, the way that the fucking All Star Game is formatted, is really letting down the fact that Jeff Skinner could have had his moment to shine. Um, but he is on the last man ballot in, so if you want, you can vote for him. Uh, although I hope you don't, and I'll get into that later. Um, the Detroit Red Wings are sending Jimmy Howard, which is fucking bullshit. <laughs> Um, because their all-star is clearly Dylan Larkin. Um, uh, but they like Larkin's not the best forward in the Atlantic division. There's just so many, the Atlantic division is very heavy on very good forwards. So they sent Jimmy Howard instead and Jimmy Howard. Yeah, go ahead. Can I, can I talk about this for a second? The way that the all-star game happens for the NHL is so fucking dumb. Like baseball, every team getting a representative makes sense. 
because the game matters. Like, the All-Star game decides who gets home field advantage when it comes to the playoffs. So everybody should get a representative. Everybody should get a representative that plays. And there are enough positions. Like, there's 16 teams in each and the NL, 16 teams in the AL, and there's nine positions. So you switch everybody once, everybody's covered. It makes sense for baseball to have one representative from everybody. If it was 5v5, it would make sense for every team to get a representative because then you have like 24 players like on the ice, or even if you care, you take like a, even if you do three lines, two defense from pair, two deep pairs, like you still have a shit ton of people and it makes sense for everybody to get a representative. But when you play three on three, you don't have enough people to get every team gets a representative without leaving some of your biggest stars yeah. off of the table. Like, you're just making it less fun, especially when you take out things like the shootout and you take out the personality from the All-Star game. Like, what do you have now? You just have, like, you just want us to watch a weekend of, bo- like, yeah. of people not trying. And it's, like, there's nothing and it's fun the about is, it anymore. But, like, we could get into this more even. Like, you, like uh, while I go down the list, you're going to see, like, prime examples of that. You're going to see that a lot of the the league's like top talent, like literally uh, number one in this, number two in that, they aren't going because of the way this is set up, because you have these constraints. And part of it isn't just the whole like five on five thing. It's the fact that like you're restricting people by division. And so some divisions you have more forward talent. Some divisions you have more... uh, what's it called you have more defensive talent some divisions you have like like more than two goalies that are really good but because they they're trying to make it so that oh look at this division fighting this division which division is better like no one's into divisional rivalries like 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 no one's looking like your your rivalries are within your division they're not against each other per se especially like i think like they do like maybe they do like big names that aren't like, or like every, every team gets a player to get people who aren't really into hockey, but nobody who's not really into hockey is watching the fucking all-star game. Like people who are watching the all-star game want to see the best of the best and you're not giving it to them, which just means that they're going to turn it off. So you're, you're not getting the best at the, the thing is that if you're going to represent every player, which I'm on, like, I know some people don't like the fact that you're sending uh, one person from every, every team. I love, (laughs) <laughs> Atta, baby. Sorry. like i'm pro like i like you have to send one person from every team otherwise it's not fun otherwise it fucking it sucks for for the person the fans of the team that doesn't get anyone to go but you should literally you should be sending the best person on that team and you should and for teams that you're gonna send two players you should be sending just the the top players you know like like if it's if they're in the top if you have two people who are who are top in uh like on the top of the league then you send those but it's just it's fucking it's stupid i hate it i hate i hate i'm i'm not as mad I'm mad now that Gabby points that out about the five on five thing. I'm mad that it's not five on five, but I'm more mad about the whole like divisional constraints. I think that's stupid. I, the whole thing is I like, stupid. I do love the all-star game. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I like uh, fan voting. I think that it's definitely something special to see the guy that you voted in go there. Uh, but y'all right there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things and kinks they need to work out to my, be better. <laughs> 
Yeah. My thing with fan voting, though, like, because my thing with fan voting is um, that, like, the markets that are bigger or the names that are bigger that aren't necessarily good, they're the ones that are going to get in even if they, sh- like, normally wouldn't go in. So, like, I'm going to jump ahead. Since I'm covering the the Atlantic right now, I'm going to jump ahead to uh, Toronto. So I have this theory. So Toronto is sending... Um, is it was picked to send uh, Austin Matthews and John Tavares. And uh, as a result, you're snubbing Mitch Marner, you're snubbing Morgan Riley, and you're snubbing Freddie Anderson. And like, like when, when the ro- when the rosters were announced and people got pissed, uh, the loudest, the, the people who got pissed first obviously were Toronto fans. And I was so mad because you already have two players in and you're still mad that three other players didn't get in. Uh, it's like, fuck off. But they're completely valid because uh, Mitch Marner leads uh, he, league wide. He has the fourth most assists. He has he's six in points, and he's not even a finalist for the last man in vote. And Morgan Riley is like it makes sense because he's leading all defensemen in goals, and he's tied for most points with defensemen, or at least he was when I was looking up the stats. I don't know how fresh these stats are. Uh, and then Freddie Anderson's one of the best, and it makes uh, though they had to send in fucking. Um, uh, Jimmy Howard for for the fucking Red Wings. Uh, so yeah. Okay, I want to argue Wait, that before you argue that, that let me finish off with Toronto real fast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, keep it moving, keep it moving. <laughs> no, you're fine. Sorry. So okay. So the, the whole reason why Never. I went on this like little rant about Toronto is not to like give more fuel to Toronto media that thinks they're the best in the world, but because. I think Toronto fans did this to themselves. And I'm saying that because y'all voted in Austin Matthews. And Austin Matthews, had he not been injured, he would have gone of his own volition, obviously. Like, he, like you can look at his, uh, his points per game production, and it's way higher than anyone else I listed. It's higher than John Tavares. It's higher than Mitch Marner's. He would have gotten there on his own had he not gotten injured. But because he is injured, you're seeing, you're looking and you're like, oh, Mitch Marner's doing better than than uh, than anyone this year. And it's because, like, okay, Austin Matthews was injured. So he probably wouldn't have gotten in had it not been the fan vote. Well, I don't understand why they picked John Tavares over Mitch Marner. That's another thing. But if you're going... The, if you're doing two Leafs, you could have done Freddie Anderson. You pull Jimmy Howard. If it's Freddie Anderson over John Tavares, you take Dylan Larkin in for John Tavares. I think and the everything reason they did sense. that is because uh, Jimmy Howard, though he's not good, he has decent stats this year because scoring is fucking through the roof now. And so save percentage is down. And so his, uh, his fucking, like... Uh, I forgot what his save percentage is. His his almost nine twenty save percentage is, yeah, like it looks oh, like looks like insane. oh he's a fucking brilliant goalie, and it's like no he's not, he's not. It's it's a statistical anomaly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, uh, I was like moving. <laughs> I got into that. <laughs> um. All right. So for the Florida Panthers, um, we're sending Keith Yandel. Which, like, on the one hand, I understand, like, a lot of people are like, why are you sending Keith Yandel? He fucking sucks. Because uh, for Florida Panthers fans, you look at him and you you just think, oh, you're a turnover machine. But he is, like, 
like he's fucking going crazy this season he is uh like third best in like he has the third best power play points in the league and that's amongst like not just defensemen that's amongst all skaters um and he's leading defensemen in uh power play points and in fuck i forgot what it what what else it is he's amongst the top 10 in like in like goals and points or whatever and it makes sense but he's not the best player on the team that's alexander barkov so um I'm campaigning. Me and Elliot Friedman are campaigning for you to vote in Alexander Barkov, though that's not going to happen. People are going to vote in probably Morgan Raleigh. But yeah, so that's that. And do you have, let me see, the Montreal Canadiens are sending in Carey Price and people are real pissed because Carey Price had a 9.4 save percentage at the time. But like, who else are they going to send? Like Max Domi? Jordy Ben. No. Jordy Ben. This fucking Stars stars fan bias. Jordy Ben. Every time. Jordy Ben. Every time, every time my my team plays fucking Montreal, uh, and I like start spewing out like Montreal hate, uh, all of the Stars fans I know go like, but what if Jordy Ben scores a hat trick? And then the Panthers still went, and I'm like, no, what? Shut the fuck up. Live in the reality. If Jordy Ben <laughs> is scoring a hat trick, yeah, the Panthers like, aren't like, winning who, that game. Who in what universe is Jordy Ben going to score a hat hey, trick? Hey, hey, but um, listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Have you ever seen him and Yupi in the same room together? Oh my god. Okay, so they don't have anyone else to send. They probably could have sent maybe like Kokaniemi, but like he's not good enough to he as a forward to get a spot in that division and then they like if Shea Weber wasn't broken they probably could have sent Shea Weber and Shea Weber is on the last man in ballot but like uh Carey Price was their only option so and so yeah and then Ottawa Senators are sending uh Thomas Shabbat Hudson Bashu wait I just completely fucking fucked that up anyways they're sending him. He's deserving. Blah, blah, blah. Tampa Bay Lightning are sending Nikita Kucherov and Steven Samkos. And in as a result, they're like they put Samkos in just by name because last season he was uh voted in as the as the like fan vote uh all-star captain or whatever. Um at, but uh his teammate Braden Point has more points than him. He has more points, more goals, tied for seventh in the league in, in goals, seven in the league in points, and then Stamkos is like 19th. So like points should have gone, but they just put Stamkos in. And then Vasilevsky should have gone too because his fucking save percentage is the fifth best in the league. And it's just it's it's a mess. So the whole Atlantic the whole Stop Atlantic Stop doing is a mess. that. Are you okay, Gabby? No, stop sending the four foot four guy to fucking run through all the giant men two yards away from the end zone. All right. He's just all right, running Gabby's into having a meltdown. I'm gonna like try to breeze through this. Metropolitan Division. Oh. The ones that should have gone that are going are Sebastian Ajo for the Carolina Hurricanes, 
Cam Atkinson, Seth Jones for Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Taylor Hall obviously is going for the New Jersey Doubles. Matt Barzal for the New York Islanders. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist for the New York Rangers. Claude Giroux for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Sidney Crosby for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and then with the Caps, uh, because Alex Ovechkin is uh, stepping, he decided not. He was the fan vote in for the captain, but he decided to not go to the All-Star game and instead is going to rest. Uh, so they're sending John Carlson, okay. defenseman. Okay, can I just like take a moment? So with Ovechkin, I remember a couple years ago, uh, it was either one or two years ago to be exact. Everybody was making jokes. Oh, well, Sidney Crosby, he's going to the to the All-Stars. Let's see how he's going to get out of it. And there was, there was a lot of memes talking about him faking his way out of the All-Stars. And it was funny and it was fine. Ovechkin takes the All-Stars off. And for good reason. Like, the man just won a Stanley Cup, went on a bender, had a baby, has been killing it this season with his points and everything. Like, he is playing some really good hockey on top of everything this season. He decides to take the All-Stars off because, again, he has a baby at home. People are giving him shit. And they're like, well, Sidney Crosby would never. Like, Sidney Crosby did. He did. Stop using this. What is it? Sidney Crosby's only gone and yeah. gone to one third of the yeah. All Star games. He's been, he's been, he's been broken for most of them. Although some of them, it's like questionable whether or not he could have returned in time. But uh, it's just it's it's a whole mess. Like people people in like you should not Pens fans. I'm a Pens fan, and I just don't do that. Just shut up. You have no leg to stand on. But uh, the fact that they're that the the punishment for him missing uh, the All Star game is to miss another game and to miss one of his choosing is the funniest fucking thing. It's like, uh, what was the comparison you made last time, Gabby? Oh, what if like if kids yeah. who get suspended from you get school. like you're you're being rewarded for more time to skip school. I'm so sorry for anyone listening to this. I'm so sorry. This is why we're supposed to ban football from the goddamn hockey podcast, Gabby. We were supposed to do this yesterday. All right. So they're sending John Carlson. They're also sending Braden Holtby. No surprise. Um, So, like, the whole Atlantic division, a fucking mess. Nightmare. No one who is supposed to be going is going Everyone who shouldn't be going is goddamn going. And then the Metropolitan Division is like, we're fine. Everyone's breezing through. You could literally pick anyone from their from their last man in list and it'd be fine. So um, Central Division, fuck you, Chicago Blackhawks. Fuck you. Uh, uh, the people who make the list is the NHL Hockey Operations Department. Fuck you guys. Because they sent... Patrick Kane to another goddamn fucking all-star game. No one wants to watch Kane, Kane anymore. He's this is right there. Sorry, go ahead. Hayes and I can't pronounce his name, but it looks like Devin Cat. They're literally right there. To bring it. <sighs> yeah. They're they're right fucking there. We don't need to see Kane in his eighth fucking all-star appearance. That's more than anyone else in the thing. And the only reason, like, like 2019 was supposed to be the year that Kane finally starts to fade into irrelevancy. And instead, he was gifted a young new center from Arizona and another fucking all-star game appearance. So, fuck you guys. Um, 
Moving on, Colorado Avalanche, the two-thirds of the best line in hockey are headed to the All-Star game. So that's me, uh, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Um, uh, Gabriel Landeskog is also an option for the last man in. Um, and yeah, that's no surprise. Uh, Dallas Stars are sending uh, Miro Heskinen and... He's elite. Sarah, do you want to go yes. into why he is? Yes. Elite? Okay. So Miro is having a fantastic rookie season. And there is no doubt in my mind that he truly, truly deserves the All-Stars. I am so excited and so just ready to see this kid kill it. Um, there's a reason why in the AAC we play I need a hero and sell I need a Miro shirts. Like there's a reason why that pun is there because this kid on the ice, he's phenomenal he's fantastic he's great um but I also want to talk about Dallas's last man in possibility um and I have a lot of feelings about it so as a Stars fan you can imagine how strange it is to me to be seeing a year for the All-Stars in which Tyler Sagan Jamie Benn John Klingberg or even Radulov is not in the running now you can say Sarah but Tyler Sagan he's in the running for the last man in but is he though is he though? You see, there was a post-game interview, I think it was like two games ago, where they asked him about, you know, how did he feel about Miro going? And he's he's happy and he's proud of Miro. Um, he made a statement saying that he kind of wished they could like shelter Miro in Dallas just a little bit longer because he is so young. But aside from that, he's excited for him. And then uh the interviewer asked him, you know, well, how do you feel about being the last man in? Do you have a campaign slogan or nothing? And Sagan more or less said, you know, no campaign. Uh, in fact, not even to worry about voting for him at all. This, for the first year, like Tyler Sagan has voiced that he has no want, no wish to go to the All-Stars. And that feels incredibly weird. It feels weird because I'm not voting for Tyler Sagan. It's weird. And it's, it kind of makes me sad. Yeah. I'm like, I think, obviously, like, Seggy always deserves to go. Him and Ben, like, they're, they're complete All-Stars. Um, I just don't think... With the way, with the constraints that they put on on the division, like it, it makes sense that they uh put they let Miro get the spotlight, mm-hmm. you know, because he's uh he's tied for fifth in the league in goals by defensemen, and like he like he's a fucking rookie, and this is his first yeah. year, not only playing in the NHL but playing the North American game, which is, we all know it's completely different from uh from the European game, and it's 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 phenomenal. Like, like I, it's amazing. Like I said, this kid, he he completely deserves it. I'm not surprised at all. Like this is exciting. Yeah. He's also tied for uh, last time I checked, he was tied for first in game winning goals by defensemen. Just, uh, and he leads yeah, and he leads all rookies in time on ice per game played. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that kid super deserving. Love him. Um, do you have anything else to say about the stars before I move on? Voting Chris Latang for last man standing. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Um so the Minnesota Wild are sending Devin Dubnik and like what the fuck hockey ops like you know you know when people people who don't pay attention to the central you know how they go like haha wow I forgot the wild existed I'm pretty sure that's what happened in the NHL hockey ops department when they selected a player from when they had to select a player from the Minnesota Wild and they decided to go with Devin fucking Dubnik 
Get it down! Oh my god! Are you okay? I'm not. I'm gonna stop asking if she's okay. She's not okay. Um, I I I don't know the the last time Gabby was okay, but uh, Devin Dubnik, like his his nine. 913 save percentage is not the worst of all the all-star goalies this year um and he's kind of like like he, it doesn't look bad when you look at it the general standings but like Devin Dubnik had like a bizarre hot like hot start to the season but it ended real fast he is um this might be wrong now i think he might have played another game but uh he's 5 11 and 1 in his past 18 games with a 0.894 save percentage he's not good he's really not good his um his gsaa is amongst the worst in the league that's like um gsaa is kind of like um like war in baseball but for goalies and it's at it's almost at a negative twelve. That's so bad, and it's especially bad considering the fact that Minnesota has some of the best defensive metrics. So like like it's just it's it's fucking stupid. Obviously, if uh, Matt Dumba had been healthy, he would have been the best option. Um, but you know he's he's out for I think three months after uh, having surgery. So it's like they I don't I don't I just don't know like literally anyone else would have been a better option uh than Devin Dubnik. But yeah. Um so Nashville Preds sending Roman Yossi and Pekka Rene. That's understandable. St. Louis Blues are sending Ryan O'Reilly and then Winnipeg Jets are sending uh Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. Um and then in the Pacific Division, and the Anaheim Ducks are sending John Gibson. Just give John Gibson the Vesna while you're at it, because he fucking deserves it. Um, Arizona Coyotes are sending Clayton Keller. Uh, they probably could have sent OEL, but it's good that Keller's going, because then he can like pick the brains of uh, actual All-Stars. Obviously not Devin Dubnik or anyone else, but um, Yeah. Uh, Calgary Flames are sending Johnny Gaudreau and Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey is having the season of his career. He is playing phenomenally and he's on a hell of a hot streak, but lost in the fold is the fact that, um, Mark, Mark Giordano is also having the se- uh, a season career and they definitely both deserve to go. So I think if you're going to vote anyone in for the, uh, for the Pacific Division, there is someone else that's pretty deserving, but I think Mark Giordano is um, definitely one of the people who got snubbed in this. Um, he's having uh, he's thirty five years old, but he's he's and he's tied for second amongst second amongst NHL defensemen with thirty three assists and third with thirty nine points, and. He's actually he and 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 John Carlson from the Washington Capitals actually have like almost the same stat line, except Carlson has gotten 17 of his points on the power play. And then Giordano has gotten 14 on the power play. And then he got three shorthanded. Um, so he's tied in the league amongst NHL defensemen with shorthanded goals. Um, other than that, Edmonton Oilers are sending Connor McDavid. So, you know, obviously. Um, they're not sending Leon Dreisaitl though he is a last man in option Um, and then Los Angeles Kings are sending Drew Doughty probably should have been Anze Kopitar 
but there is no space for Anze Kopitar and he needs a nap. Um, and then the Sharks, since they're hosting, they're sending Joe Pavelski, Brent Burns, and Eric Carlson. And then Vancouver Canucks are sending Elias Peterson. Pedersen. Fuck. Peterson. Oh, my God. And Vegas Golden Knights are sending Marc-Andre Fleury, who is fucking, like, like they're overworking Marc-Andre Fleury like hell in Vegas. And he's still doing okay, anomaly. Okay, And that is <laughs> the All-Star game. If you want to read more. I will just <laughs> say that, like, I loved Flower since his time on the Penguins. And it is just, I was yeah. one of those Penguins fans that I did want him to sign elsewhere, but not because I wanted him to leave. But because I was so sick and tired of seeing other fans trash him because he deserved better. And now he has so much better. And it is just, I am living for all this flower power. I am living yeah. for it. I am so happy. It's sad. Same. I, I'm big all, same. Ooh. I was like, because I. Oh, shit. That wasn't it. Okay. That wasn't it. That was a replay. Oh, my God. Holy fuck. All right, so Gabby's having a meltdown. So the whole all-star recap was kind of a mess. But if you want to read more about it, if you want to read more Holy about fuck. it, you can go to our blog. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come Gabby. on. Okay. Cody Barkey, come on, Cody Barkey. Do what you do. Gabby. Come on, Cody. Come on, come on, come on. Gabby's, Holy shit. Gabby's losing her fucking come mind. On. So you can go to the blog. Holy shit, you can come read on. the article I wrote about it. Yes! I wrote about 5,000 yes! words and it's fucking, it took me forever. Please read it. <laughs> Gabby. Oh my God. Holy shit. I will see you next week, Sarah. All right. Let's we'll see you next go. week. Uh, thank you so much. Check out our merch. Check out the blog. You can follow Woo! us at For Puck's Sake Pod on Twitter, at For, at for Puck's Sake Podcast on uh on tumblr and you can go to four puck sakes and that's plural because someone else has the uh four puck sake singular domain uh four puck sakes.com anyways thank you for listening and we'll see you I don't say a word was on my grind and now I got what I deserve. Fuck nigga. Hold on, wait a minute. I thought I was finished. When I wrote that ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Touching on these niggas, I'm like Papa on the spinach. Double MD, that's my T Rose. Ain't the captain, I'm lieutenant. I'm the type of kind of men casting, grind like I'm broke. That Lambo, my new bitch, chill ride like my ghost. I'm riding around my city with my hands strapped to my toes. Cause these niggas want me dead, and I gotta make it back home. Cause my mama need that bill money, my son needs some milk. These niggas try to take my life, they fuck around, get killed. You fuck around, you fuck around, you fuck around, get smoked. Cause these Philly niggas, I put